Hey, this is Benjamin Mara. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. There you go. There's all right. In the zone. It's a narrow window. You, you scooched right through. Uh, That's another one. Felt, I could do that instead of the woo you know. <laughs> I could do the uh, yeah. You're you fired up? Freaking fired up, man. Why'd you read good stuff? Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read stuff. I got caught up on a bunch of stuff. I tried to do that as well, but I kept getting uh, distracted by by things. Okay. It happens, right? Sure. But uh, I started um, to. I tried to get caught up on dead, dead demons. Yeah, yeah. And um, I started into volume three. Got distracted. Read a little bit more. Something else. So I was just like, "There's no point in this. I'll I'll read it for some other time," because I'm four mm-hmm. volumes behind. Right. That's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I do feel like I'm getting old though, because I have stuff on our Slack list of things that we've read. And I'm looking at the list, and I, I, if you said, "Hey, tell me about this," I like, I can't remember it. It's been months, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's like I don't, I don't know. But some of it's even been like weeks. I just, I can't like without googling it. I'm like, oh, I don't remember what. what but that it's is. also football time. You have all those men running through your head, and and what no, those no, no. men do. No, 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 it's not that. It's it's that this has been a running thing. But like, if if it's just if there's enough things get on the list, it just starts getting cloudy. Where I mean, I know I read it. I remember the basic premise, but I, I don't think I could articulate on it without planning to talk about it in a week. Wow. Maybe you're getting dementia. <laughs> I think I might be getting early onset dementia. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the best disease in the world. <laughs> Is it, though? <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually the worst. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd rather get the cancer than, than get uh, Alzheimer's. Oh, my goodness. I would. Jeebus. Talk about bringing the show down. But, well, at least when you die of cancer, you die... G- you know, relatively the same person you went into the disease being mm. with Alzheimer's. You're like you're eating fiberglass in a corner, and you just you know what I mean. You, that person that you but were, on the other hand, you don't know that you're doing that. But you. okay, well, that's, that's even worse. No, no. Hey, everybody! It's the feel good <laughs> episode of the year, eleven o'clock comics episode six hundred twenty six, and I'm Vince B. R Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Wow, that's so weird that you picked that. Very weird, but you're not Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. You're Jason Wood. Why did you pick that? Oh, you'll find out. Yeah. Huh. Cool, but you're not. You're Jason Wood. We're all here together. Yay! And you don't have to be made of dead body parts to get cheap funny books and bric-a-brac from the previous catalog no siree bob all you have to do is fire up your internet browsing device and go to dcbservice.com one more time dcbservice.com where you can get everything in that big old honkin previews catalog for a fraction of the prices listed therein it's very simple uh there are specials they are many i have three from idw it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing number 100. Dave Wachter has been doing the work of his career 
on this book. I think it's safe to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the, the various covers he's done to the magnificent interiors, Dave is in the zone on this book. And you can find out why by ordering not only issue 100, but he's been doing the, they've been doing the City at War thing, which has started around 93, 94, around there. Get it. It's so good. This is seven ninety nine, But not for you, because you're all kinds of smart. You're getting it for $3.99. That's half off. From Image, it's Heart Attack number one by Sean Kittleson and art by Eric Zavadsky. Remember him? And Michael Garland. This is a series premiere, and it uh, has something to do with gene therapy, and um, which gives birth to superpowered people. But what are they going to do with those superpowers? We're going to find out. This thing is uh, $3.99. No way, Jose. You're getting it for $1.99. And over at Ahoy, it's Tom Payer back with Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, number one, this time around, five-issue miniseries. Art is done by Peter Krause. Woohoo! And returning for the covers is the man that put these uh, characters on the map, Jamal Eigel. Three ninety nine again, cover price. You're taking it home for less than two bucks, dollar ninety nine. And DCBService.com does not mind late orders, order editions, or any of that stuff. And you get your books delivered right to your door like Grubhub for comic books. Only you can't eat them. Well, you and could. Pure really, battery to let you could. They would bind you. Worse than bananas. Yeah. It wouldn't be good. Pulping your intestines? Nah. Mm-hmm. But there you go. You don't have to move. My comics are here. Thank you, DCBService.com. Big smile, little glint on the teeth. Ding. I could be in the commercial. You could be. I am. Totes. There we go. What are we You're... drinking, fools? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you guys a curveball this week. I felt like uh, getting a little crazy with it. I wanted to uh, also drink something because the news on this something this week was absurd. I don't understand. So I am happily drinking uh, from our stockpile of of this uh, some White Claw hard seltzer. Stockpile? How much do you have? <laughs> we got a couple cases. As much as they make. You know what you got to say when you say White Claw? I am drinking White Claw. <clears throat> like like a claw. Ah, you know, <clears throat> uh, it's got to say that. But when they announced this week that there was a national shortage of it, I thought, what the what? It's ridiculous. That's because it's all at your house. Uh, no, I was like, y'all suckers need to stock up because I got plenty. <laughs> I got a, I got a natural lime that I'm drinking right now, and then I got a ruby grapefruit ready to back it up. It's like the '70s all over again. We're waiting for gas. How could there be a shortage of something? Isn't it water? Alcohol water? Yes. So yeah. What the I, hell? I get it myself. Flavorings, waters, and, and alcohol. Manufactured shortage. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, very smart. I'm drinking Sam's. Nothing special, but it's the best tasting beer. I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> you declare that? <laughs> I declare ye the best okay. tasting mead on the planet. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Dad? I am enjoying 
It's um, Joseph Stewart Cabernet Sauvignon from California. Had it over the weekend and liked it enough to get another bottle this evening for tonight. So there you go. Right on. Sweet. Who's got thank yous? I got one. I uh, don't think I do. Dap, you got a thank you? I I do. I'm just going to um, tug on my ear and thank Caleb and move it along. Nice. I get a, a DM on the Facebooks from uh, Mr. Corey Tilson. And he's like, yo, want to thank you? I said, no, 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 you don't have to do that. <laughs> Meaning, all right, here's my address. Mm. So he sent mm. me a, a box. Wow. Of stuff. Oh, and, yeah? Yeah, I got two packs of Garbage Pail Kids cards. Like, he knows me, mm. right? So I'm going through them. And uh, Pop Quiz Time, what is my all-time favorite show? You know. Come on. I've said it many Your times. Your all-time favorite television show? My all-time favorite television show. Um, other than Twin Peaks? No, I, no idea. The Honeymooners. I said it like Oh, a, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a card on here, Alice Attacks. And it's in black and white. It's Alice, giant, standing on the earth, punching Ralph into the moon. And the moon is, if you've seen the Honeymooners, you know how they had uh, Ralph's face in the moon. And Ralph's face is in the moon. It's like my favorite card ever. Why would they pick the Honeymooners for Garbage Pail Kids? I don't know, but I'm glad they did. And that's that's pretty cosmic. Like it, you got, yeah, that's neat. right. That's what I'm saying. Things, things there is synchronicity is amazing. Um, I got a who watches the Watchmen. It looks like a business card holder for my mm-hmm. my business life, which is so teeming with stuff. Um, a pack of Piperoid, which is a Japanese paper craft. Um, they're actually paper tubes. That you can transform into robots. Neat. What? I mean, seriously. Uh, a pack of stickers. Many, many stickers. Um, a trade paperback. Which is not easy to get. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Volume 1. And you're saying, wait a minute. That, that, that thing's everywhere. No, this is the image version. By Fosco, Carlson, Andrew Peepoy, and Eric Larson. This is oh, not, yeah. yeah, this is not everywhere. And it's in black and white, which is cool because IDW is reprinting this stuff in color under the Urban Legends uh, title. So you can compare and contrast the black and white with the color. And last but not least, a huge honkin' hardcover, complete with spot varnish on the cover. The Ghoulish Art of Gary Pullen. And I know Gary from his work from Rue Morgue Morgue magazine. And this thing is loaded. Loaded with commentary process and art. And so, Corey, Mm. man, I got to thank you. It came out of nowhere and you didn't have to, but I'm sure as shit glad you did. That's pretty awesome. Yep. That is awesome. That's great. And we have another uh, listener who asked us, for our address, and no one has responded to him yet. And it's oh, on, really? Where, it's, where did they ask on, for it? It's on the Patreon, so we should oh, okay. get to uh, that toot okay. sweet. Yeah. Yes, we will. Definitely. Apologies. So there you go. Very nice. That's awesome. Love it. 
So what's happening in the in the universe of comic books? Do you guys realize we're only three weeks away from your comic? I know, right? It's disturbing. Like I thought we were five weeks away today, and then I looked at the calendar and said, "Well, you guys will be at my house next Wednesday is the 18th, the next Wednesday is the 25th, and then the next Wednesday is the second. Yep, can't wait. That's freaking crazy, though. It's pretty damn awesome. It is. We got to get a location so we can start pimping the hell out of this to get together. Yes. Well, whatever, we get on that. whatever you want to do is fine by me. I, I I really don't care. Could be at a Burger King. Doesn't matter to me. Oh, but maybe we should have it at a Burger King. I'm just saying. Anywhere is fine by me. I get an Impossible Whopper. Did you have one yet? No. They're good. I Never don't good. generally eat the fast foods, but I, I would like to try an Impossible Whopper. Yeah, I had one about two weeks ago. They're very oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the magic of the Whopper is not the patty. It's everything that they put on the patty, the, the lettuce, the uh, tomato, the pickle. The, you cannot get better mayonnaise than Burger King. It ain't happening. Burger King mayonnaise is the absolute best mayonnaise. There uh-huh. are there are civilizations from far off stars that come to our planet specifically to get Burger King mayonnaise, right? So, but I mean, it tastes like a Whopper. You could tell it's not meat, but barely. Like if you're uh-huh. used to eating Whoppers, you're going to be like, all right, this is not meat, but it's just. I think it's just as good. We went it, to Zinn Burger a couple weeks ago because the kids for the, one of the, some of the kids wanted to do, and they had a Beyond Burger, so which is. The competitor. I had that, and I thought it was absolutely delicious. Nice. The thing is, they're not really better for you. Right. That's the conceit. And they're not really better for the planet. Well, that I'm not... They contend that they are, whether because of the energy that it takes to raise a, a cow. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm willing to accept their claim that it's ultimately better for the planet, but... I, I do think a lot of people buying these think that it's like a healthier alternative and it's not in any way healthier. It does have lower cholesterol. So I shouldn't say it's not in any it, it's much lower cholesterol, but it's same calories, same fat. It's just a better kind of fat. So like you still can't eat these things every day and not you're still gonna be a lard ass if you do that. So but they are delicious. And, you know, a lot of folks are doing the vegan thing these days, so if you're living that life you just got to get the cows to stop farting, and everything will be okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If they, let's, we should gene engineer fartless cows. Sure, that would work out yeah. well for the world. You'd have exploding cows all over the place. Seriously. Nice. All right, comic that, books. That series B from last year. Yeah. Speaking of, I don't want to get off track, but I found, aside from Dave Chappelle, uh, mm-hmm. Who sticks and stones thing is you? You? We were talking Eddie Murphy last time. Did you watch Sticks and Stones? It's it is on my iPad. I have not watched it yet. Though. It is. It's. It's All right. brilliant. At the peak of Murphy's prowess, he was nowhere near as good as Dave Chappelle. I'm just saying, Chappelle is the best comedian we've seen in a long, long, long time. But anyway, I don't agree with your first part, but I certainly agree with your second part. I mean, I think Chappelle has ascended to his own tier among contemporary comedians. He's eclipsed a lot of vintage comedians, too. There, I can only sure. think of maybe like one or two that I would put above Chappelle. Okay. But anyway. Well, I haven't watched this one, but I've heard it's fantastic. It's so amazing. It it's the best he ever did, I think. I'm halfway through the Aziz Ansari Netflix uh, 
one, and then after I'm done that, I'll watch the Chappelle one. But there's a show on Netflix called Blown Away. Have you seen this? No. It's a glass blowing competition. Oh no, I ha- I did. We we in fact we were making fun of it. What? We no, like Colin and I were making fun of like the fact that there's a reality show based on glass blowing. You know how hard yeah. glass blowing is? It's Yes, uh-huh. but but how interesting is it? Very interesting. They got a couple of whack jobs on Maybe there. For an artiste like you, but Oh, I love this show. The the people are just off kilter. Most of them mm-hmm. are off kilter. But I mean the process is fascinating. I don't know. I would love to Try my hand at it. I'd probably make a big dick or something, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> You're such a freak. It's what it is. What All does right. The glass blowing have to do with Chappelle, though. Oh, I said I wanted to mention the Chappelle, but the real thing I wanted to mention was the the blown away glass blowing show, which I think is oh. great, and you should watch it. But you've already made fun of it, so. No, I haven't seen it. I was just like, I really did think though, who would watch this? But apparently. Me. You're part of the who. Yeah. I think it's a hoot. Dap mentioned the other day in one of our other Slack channels about the Ink Master, and it made me realize that the three of us haven't even discussed Ink Master this year. Like, I assume we're all still watching it, but we haven't even talked about it. No, I don't watch it anymore. Oh, no? Nah. Gave nah. up on it? Yeah. It, huh. there's, there, it's just there's a, the sameness every season. Yeah, it's I know. Just, I'm sure blowing glasses is more. No, no. <laughs> No, you get your you get your 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 hotheads. There there are people who are very boisterous and very proud of their work, and you know they'd like to proclaim how great they are. And then there's the the sh- the shrinking violets. It just seems right. like it's the same thing every year. Well, I'm and, not into. I don't watch it for the characters, admittedly. Okay, like I totally watch it for who's the best artist. Like who do I think does the like to see who does great tattoos? Yeah, but you're shopping. No, not even like uh, most of the tattoos they get. I think to myself, who in the fuck would ever get a tattoo like this? Like, what right. are they thinking? But, but I, I, but I don't. I guess it's like I look at it like Top Chef, where there are people I'm rooting against or for because they seem like douches or cool people. But ultimately, I just want the person I think is the most talented to win, and that doesn't always happen. It's true. What do you think of the season, Dad? Um. I like it now that uh, someone recently left. Um, it it had its it had its moments. There's some um, there's some absolutely fantastic artists. Um, yeah, yeah. But and, I thought he was fantastic artist too, though. He was a douche, but he was yeah. And that's, and, and that's part of my th- well. But even there were things he did, like with the at, at first blush, you look at it and it's like that's a pretty cool looking thing. But then as 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 Peck and Chris start critiquing it, and and you look at little things like like the lion's head from far away look kind of neat, but I guess you know like, like they pointed out the 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 jackness of of his teeth and 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 maybe some of the first. So I mean when when you mm-hmm. when you scrutinize it, it's but yes, a lot of it just like with Top Chef, you may you may be an awesome chef and and you may be an awesome tattooer, but because of this show, because of their personalities, because of it's reality TV and they're trying to set up you no know, villains and, and people you're sympathetic to. If if you are just like in real life, if I know you're an asshole, I'm not going to give you my money. I don't give a shit how talented you are. Doesn't mean I want your work on my skin because I had to put up with you for a few hours. So if if, if you're an asshole, yeah, I don't want you around much longer. I may miss some of the art you may do, but for me, it's all about karma. And if you're a dick, then no, I don't think you should be rewarded for that, regardless of how talented you may be. 
Right. Yeah, I guess this is gets at the back to that debate over can you separate the art from the like I would much rather get tattooed by an absolute douche nozzle who does amazing work than I would like a person that was my homie that was going to jack me up. Oh, yeah, no, no. I don't want to be jacked up. By no means do I want to yeah. be jacked up. But I also don't want to reward somebody for being a douche nozzle. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I have this dude's art on my arm. But, yeah, I also paid him for that opportunity. So now right. he got rich. I get some cool art. But I still paid him. And and, and I and that, that kind of sticks in my craw. Yeah. I got to tell you, it, it is, I mean, I know we've all lived this life since we all got our tattoos from the same dude, but like, I never would have thought it would be so hard to find someone else to tattoo me. Actually, that's why um, after, uh, after brunch one afternoon, we went to the, the, the speakeasy tattoo is two doors down from the quiet man. And, uh, and my wife went in to talk to one of them because she wants to um, expand on the scroll that, uh, that Stringer had done for her. And, uh, and I, her thing though is so. So she looks up everybody, and, and I have the list because I've been following the artists that that work there. But her thing is, you know, I want to see how good you tattoo on darker skin. I want to see brown people. Sure, in it's totally different. And, uh, yeah. So, and and not all of them do. Um, but you know, she spoke to the dude, and, and, and you know, and and they all there's there's about maybe six or seven cats at this place, and. Um, and so, so she went in briefly and spoke to one of the dudes and, and, um, and, and she'll do some, uh, she'll do her homework. I want to go in. I want to look through their books and everything like that. Cause yeah. I, I had little things I want to get, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, not sure when, and I know what she wants to do in their times where, you know, we've even thought about just hopping in the car and heading down to, uh, to see Stringer and, and spending a night and then getting up the next morning, hitting the shop and, and then driving home later that day so it, that's that's a possibility mm-hmm. too yeah i mean the thing is as you guys know i just i am desperate to get a geometric tattoo and um i can't it is fucking hard to find a geometric tattoo artist it's it's baffling like it, I, i'm in new york city like it, there, there are probably ten thousand tattoo artists in new york city and i, I i've put a few call outs like to twitter and to facebook's and and said, hey, any of y'all got any recommendations? And people give me recommendations. And I go to these people's portfolios and I'm like, the fuck? Like, because it's not like they're a lot of them are talented, but they have no, they don't do geometric, you know? So I, I, so I don't know, man. It's hard. Like, I have scoured every prominent tattoo shop in Brooklyn and New York, and I just can't find anybody that does what I want to be done. It's weird. I don't know. I know the what I want to be done happens because I see lots of them on, like, the internet and IG and stuff, but mm-hmm. I guess this is not much of a New York thing. I don't know. Hmm. You know what else is geometric? What? Comic book panels. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Let's talk about You some. know people love the random chatter, though. I, I know, but, you know, yeah. you, focus. Let's let's talk about the focus. comics. <laughs> now we can go back to that. Focus. Focus. Focus, focus on the Bofus. So what'd you read? Well, I introduced myself as Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, because right. I read uh, Gotham City Monsters number one, ah, which was uh, wonderfully written by Steve Orlando, with uh, art by Amonke Naulpan, and uh, I liked it a lot. It it had 
the kinds of things that are going to make a first issue work for me, which is to say it was a getting the band together comic. It's six characters from the DCU being brought together uh, for a common cause. And it was a little update on each of them, who they are, how they're getting into this situation that they're about to get into. And uh, yeah, man, like that's totally up my alley. It's uh, the team is uh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein agent of shade. Um, Andrew Bennett, AKA I vampire uh, killer croc. Lady Clayface, which you all have to help me out. I didn't know that that existed, but uh, apparently it does. Uh, Lady Clay, I guess she goes by. Orca, which may be my new favorite DC uh, (laughs) villain. Um, And who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting somebody. Um, I'm forgetting somebody. There is a sixth. But they all are being brought together in Gotham City. Uh, this takes place during the city of Bane, which is happening in Tom's Batman right now, where Bane is, spoilers if you're behind on that book, but Bane has taken control of Gotham City. And it's taking place in Gotham for some reason. I don't, I'm not quite sure if that was necessary or not, but maybe because it, they figured it would sell more if they called it Gotham City Monsters. Um, and it also is taking place during the events or subsequent to the events of event Leviathan. So it's all kind of tied together, but uh, basically this evil, something, some evil force is drawing Frankenstein and, and Andrew Bennett to Gotham to handle business. And it uh, turns out to be none other than Melmoth, which I thought was super cool because I checked and we haven't seen Melmoth since Grant Morrison's seven soldiers, which mm. was the, I think arguably the, um, pinnacle of Frankenstein's use as a character in the DC universe. So it's very cool that uh, Orlando is bringing back this seven soldiers. Ouvoir. So it, it, yeah, I thought it was really, I, uh, Amon K. Nalpan is a, I don't know how much I haven't read much of, uh, of their, their work in comics, but I've known the name for a long time because it's one of Paolo's artists and has been for a long time. Um, but I thought they did a great job. Uh, on this issue and um, the characters that I was familiar with already, like Bennett and Frankenstein, I thought were, uh, were very much uh, in character. Um, Frankenstein's the brooding, take no prisoners asshole that uh, just, just knocking people out. He's, he, he kills a, he lights a minotaur on fire (laughs) at a bar, chokes out another guy, shoots Mandrill in the head. Like he's just, he's, he gives no fucks. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a setup issue. It's, it's the, I should say it's one of, um, it's, it's number one of six, it's a six issue miniseries. So, uh, really the whole thing is, is introducing, putting all the chess pieces onto the board. It, it introduces the six characters. It introduces Melmoth and, uh, that's kind of where we're left. And then uh, I'm sure the rest of the series will be, um, you know, the, the, uh, build to the climactic battle between them. So, uh, two thumbs up though. And I love that they're timing this, I'm sure, not coincidentally, in the uh, fall. So it feels very Halloween-y. So it's always fun to read horror and monster books in the fall. I think there's a, the, the, the timing also plays into, I guess, because since, since uh, Shade has been disbanded, thanks to the events from Leviathan. Right, right yes. 100%. Yeah, the art's so. real nice. 
Definitely. Yeah, no, it really nice. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to hold back on this and, and wait for the collected edition. But mm-hmm. uh, I originally had the single issue um, ordered, but no, I'm just, yeah, like I said, uh, that stuff reads better to me all at once. So I'm just going to hang really? back. Yikes. That's nasty. Woo. What? Uh, I can't say if anybody hasn't read this, but oh. yo. And it's weird because, yeah, it does say, you know, six monstrous heroes, one multiversal threat, but the logo of the comic is right over the sixth monstrous hero on the cover. So, and even reading it, even if you skim it quickly, you, you get the gist of the five. You see Orca, you see Bennett, you see Lady Clayface and, and, and Frank Steen and Croc, but like, you have no idea. Who. Yeah, I'm looking through the re-looking through the issue. Maybe, I mean, maybe it doesn't show up maybe, until maybe the second be, issue. Right, I was gonna say maybe they made a mistake where the six we haven't met yet because there's only five in this. Yeah, I assume Lady Clay is not a new character. I don't think she is. Okay, I know there's been a bunch of Clay faces, so I assume she's one of the one of that that uh, that familia. And I don't know if we've seen Andrew Bennett since I Vampire, but that, that, was a that, good that didn't last too. long. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I like that series a lot. I don't think it went 12 issues, did it? I feel like it did, and I feel like it was one of the first of the new 52 to get to get canceled. Yeah. Dark as hell. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Fialkov wrote that, right? I do believe so. Joshua Hale Fialkov, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so two thumbs up on that one. I, that, yeah, I dug it a lot. I'm definitely on board for, for, the, for the series. Nice. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that you read something with Frankenstein in it. Why? I loved uh, Lemire's Frankenstein Agent of Shade. No, oh, I just say it because it's weird because I read something with Frankenstein. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Why would you read The that? Frankenstein Monster, anyway. Well, we could talk about it in a little while. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to hear what Dap read. Uh, I read um, probably uh, once Jason posts the best thing he read this week. Um, reminder, thank you. Uh, Young Justice number eight will be mine. It's um, I came home last night, read read two of the books that I picked up yesterday. Um, read Powers of Ten, number four. Enjoyed it. Probably my favorite Powers of Ten issue to mm-hmm. date. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. And then uh, and then followed that with Young Justice number eight, and that was um, that just blew me. Away. I mean, it's it's. It's been it's been getting better, but number one, John Timms beast, and and I think he's perfect for this book. Love the way he draws the characters. Love the way he draws action. Um, covers a little weird because you see all our heroes like holding on to Superboy as he's flying through the air, but you see the back of Ginny Hex. So it's just it's it's kind of like weird staging, but you you know who the character is. It's just and, and it's a cool looking shot. It's just weird to see the back of a hero on the cover. But inside, um you give me you give me doppelgangers, you give me analogs, you give me evil versions of heroes. Um and I'm all in. And this is because they once the first arc ended, the uh the rulers of Gemworld crossed their fingers behind their backs when they promised that they'd be sending Young Justice home. And they didn't necessarily do that. They just kind of shunted them around 
the multiverse. And, and every time they end up somewhere, they realize they're not home. So they end up here um, on Earth 3 at the end of issue number 7. And we kick off the 8th issue smack dab in the middle of action because Amazon Thunder knocks the crap out of Wonder Girl. Um, and I'm saying Amazon Thunder, even though it's spelled with an X instead of a Z, uh, because the Crime Syndicate of America, America is spelled with a K, so it's, everything's just a little weird, a little different on Earth 3. But the Crime Syndicate isn't on planet. Nobody knows really where they are. They've just kind of disappeared. So these young Justice Leaguers, if you want to call them that, are now in charge. And um, Amazon Thunder is pretty much the leader of this team. And while Wonder Girl is fighting Amazon Thunder, um, Lutherell, who is the um, the bastard son of Ultraman, and Dana Luther. And uh, that's who is taking on Superboy, of course, although before Superboy can come up. Um, and even a, the fight, um, Lutherell is, is attacking Amethyst and Ginny Hex, who really don't have uh, counterparts here, at least that we haven't seen yet as, as this story unfolds. But while that's happening, Impulse is taking on Speed Zone, um, and they're just running around um basically the country uh the as um while superboy is is fighting through l and then amazon thunder shows up and and sucker kicks him into um into a bus and down into the street um Luther shows up and, and, and he's arguing with her about, you know, I told you it was a multiverse and that's why, you know, the, the, uh, the crime syndicate disappeared, never came back. And, um, she's just like, I just thought that, you know, they murdered each other and, and they, so they're arguing about that. Superboy comes back, takes care of both of them. And while Robin watches that, he gets attacked and there's a nice little, um, 12 panel grid of, um, of silhouette fighting of Robin and his counterpart on this earth, who's, um, who's a redheaded dude who looks an awful lot, who's dressed an awful lot like Robin, but actually goes by the name Drake. And while, um, while he has the drop on Robin comes up behind him with a gun says, listen, I promise they're rubber bullets honest. And he pulls the trigger and as he fires, Impulse comes, rescues Robin. Um, and then, of course, um, Bart is having this whole big conversation with Tim saying that, you know, listen, I've been thinking about it. And I, and I think you're you really should like lose the Robin shtick. And, and you you should really just go by Drake because, I mean, it's like it, it, it sells itself. It's, it's like your name and, and it's just perfect. And it's more it sounds a little bit more imposing than, than, you know, Robin. But while he's having this conversation with him, um Speed Zone comes up and, and takes him down, so that leaves Robin by himself. Looks like someone's about to get the drop on Robin, but Robin being Robin, he attacks first, throws a dude basically into um, 
towards a Seven Eleven, and it ends up being Snapper Carr, or <laughs> this 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 Earth Snapper Carr, who has the ability, who just who keeps snapping his fingers, and even Robin's like, stop that, and it just keeps getting like louder and more and, and more echoey. And I, I don't, I first I thought it was like that was his power, and, and like he's he's a Madrox clone because all of a sudden inside this this uh, this quickie mart, there just seems to be a whole bunch of snappers. It, it, that's the gang. Um, so they're all inside the shop doing all this, the, the, the snapping and whatnot, and they're attacking Robin. Robin ends up taking them all on. He gets knocked over the head from behind with a hammer. And when, um, when one of, one of the snappers is about to take him out, Batwoman shows up. Batwoman, of course, is this world's Stephanie. And, um, so while at first she thinks that like the hair didn't give it away for some reason, but she thinks, you know, that this is Drake and it's not. So Tim is having a little heart to heart with her and, and she seems to be like the one good character in, in on this earth. Um, so while she's, um, she 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 takes her cowl off and she's like you know while while it sounds as though she's about to reveal something and right before she does impulse comes in knocks her out from behind and he's like why would you sock batwoman and he's like because everyone here is evil and oh i'm sorry i guess i shouldn't have so um this stephanie doesn't appear to be evil while she's unconscious um Impulse now just keeps calling Robin Drake, and he's like, listen, we got to get her to the Batcave. Impulse is like, so you think there's a Batcave? And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. It's a detective's hunch. So while Robin, or Drake now, and Batwoman and Impulse head to Batwoman's cycle to get to the Batcave, Teen Lantern is taking on Hack, while Jenny Hex is... um, is trying to make her way back to her truck, which has her chest, her trunk full of whatever that we found in the first issue of Young Justice. And while, um, so she goes over to the, uh, to the truck and she starts to peek inside the trunk and you hear behind her, um, listen, quick question, doll. And she turns around and she says, name's Jenny. And she says, yeah, me too. But is that trunk of yours still all full of goodies? And we just see that this character's name is just Hex. And, Ginny says, the trunk is mine. Hex says, want to bet? You hear blam. And then the last panel is all blacks, and she don't even know what she had. Mine now. And then the next issue is Teen Lantern's Secret Origin. But this was just wall to wall. This was this was fun. It was, I, I really enjoyed the conversations everybody had, whether it's it's our heroes, whether it's our, our heroes fighting um, their evil Doppelgangers, it's just it was it was a lot of fun and, and I'm I was just smiling ear to ear. I, I, I didn't want it to end. I just between between what Bendis is doing with these characters and how Tim's draws these characters, I just it, it is absolutely one of my favorite books right now. And and I um you know, I I like Patrick Gleason, no doubt. Um and you know, I Young Justice may not have been his his strongest work in my eyes when it started. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it was an offer from Marvel too good to pass up or there was something 
wasn't jiving with Bendis or it was a combination of the two or whatever, I, I am not mad at what we're getting now because of whatever happened. So, um, yeah, I just had an absolute blast with this. And, and I, I don't know. Part of me wonders if, if next issue, because it's going to be Teen Lantern's origin, if that's another way for Bendis to kind of pad out the arc like mm-hmm. he did with the first arc where we kind of, you know, instead of just being a straightforward story, we had flashbacks and, and introduced this character and, and it was, they had gone a little longer than it needed to. Um, but if, uh, if Tim's is drawing it, I'm not going to be upset about it. It, it, it be as long as it wants, but, uh, yeah, I just I, I don't want them to leave this earth, but obviously they have to. They they, they need to get home. Um, they still don't really know, uh, as as the first page says. You know, um, young justices have so many questions as to where the team has been and how they even remember each other, and are eager to get home to Earth to unpack it all. So um, this is still because they are bouncing around the multiverse, Bendis still has this opportunity to to play with these characters in, in this kind of bubble um, where they're not bogged down by everything else that either Bendis or Johns or Snyder or whoever is, is writing um, their mentors or, or even these characters in other stories. Um, they can kind of just... Bendis can do his own thing with them right now and then we'll see what happens once they do get back home where what the landscape of, of the DC universe even is at that point. But yeah, um, I just, I'm really happy this book exists. Nice. Tim's is a beast. It really is, man. I need some art. I need some art. Hey man, you know where to go. That's true. While we're on the subject, do you want to just touch upon uh, something we all read? What is this? Yeah, we can. I mean, yeah, I have it. I, I, I have the two issues, and then the, the first issue leading up to it. We can. I, I, I mentioned it briefly, during my previous video. But yeah, I mean, we, we, you can. Well, you don't go into it. Well, I, yeah, I'm not going to go too deep into it. We're, we're talking about it's Legion. Go Legion of Superheroes, Millennium Number One. Oh yeah, which effectively put me off Bendis's Legion. I made the right call. I, I I held back when I when I saw like Superman fourteen, Superman fifteen, Supergirl, whatever, leading up into Legion of Superheroes, Millennium, blah blah blah. I said I'm not getting the singles. I want to see what happens first. And for once in my life, I was correct because not only did it have almost nothing to do with the Legion of Superheroes, save the cover, he fucking butchered Commandy. Like, yeah, he probably read Commandy 29 and said, oh, OK, I can use this Superman costume thing. And I just I, I thought the issue was I, I'm I'm being nice. I'm not going to say exactly what I want to say. I thought the issue was total garbage from start to finish. I I don't know if I have those kind of strong negative vibes that you're having, but I definitely didn't care for the issue. And I was. I, I was legit confused. Now, I, as as you guys know, and I think our audience knows, I haven't read much Legion, far less than either of you. So I read this and I was left wondering, oh, like, do I just really not know enough about Legion to have gotten this? Because I read it and thought, I don't have any idea why I'm supposed to be excited by the Legion from this, nor what all this has to do with the Legion. So I, mm. I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, 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 I'm going to still try Legion. 
because it definitely is going to be different than this, needless to say. But I, uh, yeah, I agree. I thought this issue was a head scratcher on multiple levels. I'm guessing not, not the least of not the least of which, uh, like how does how does how do we go from current DC human society to a post apocalyptic society that would facilitate the commandy world to then a hundred years later this futuristic panacea? Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like I don't like that can't happen. So I don't understand. Trying to tie all that into the same timeline seems sketchy to me. I'm guessing that Rose and or Thorn will be a member of his legion. I mean, it's pretty. Oh, you think it's it's, it's, a, it's a safe bet, right? Um, Can you guys talk to me a bit about Rose and Thorn? I mean, they gave a little of their intro in the issue, but I I, I don't think I've ever read anything with her before. She's been. Um, she's in the Suicide Squad now, right? Is she? I think I know so. that. Well, yeah, she's she's um. She's been in the recent ver- uh, issues of Action Comics. Um, okay. So that, that, and that's where I've seen her most recently. I mean, I remember her from back in the day. Yeah, I'm pretty and, sure she's in the current incarnation of, of Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, and I, th- this shouldn't have been a two, this should have just been one big book. Like, like give me both, both chapters because this was, I, I didn't, I, I'm not sure why it was. I mean, we, we, when we get to the end and, and, you know, she's, she's in front of the science police. It's like, okay, now, now we finally have something that, that, that reminds me is, is familiar as, as a Legion reader, but bringing Rose and Thorn into it, I, I wasn't vibing to, but I just, I don't, I wasn't thrilled with the fact that, that, that they just decided to make this, a two-part story so they can do whatever this, this, this faux anthology to, to lead to the next issue, which I don't know if it'll be more of the same or if that will actually be set in the era of the last story in, in this first issue. And then that's what brings us to the Legion. I don't, I don't know what to expect, but I, I kind of, I would have much rather have read everything all at once between two covers. And instead of feeling like I I'm, getting strung along with Mm -hmm. with just this one issue to read the next one. Yeah. Just a couple of things. Commandy just stands there while this supposedly Superman's daughter, uh, which draws a a straight line to Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns. Are we supposed to believe that this girl is the daughter from DK2 and DK3? Is that who this is? Because as she's taking the costume, she said it's my dad's. I think she's lying. I, 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 I think isn't. I thought that was Rose uh, Thorn. I don't know. And the costume shouldn't even be there because Superman went back for it. He lost the costume in Earth AD that led to Commandy Twenty Nine. Then later on in Superman whatever to something, he went back for it. So the costume shouldn't even be there. But that's besides the, the beside the point. So you know, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Thorn because she lies to him. She goes, "It belongs to my father." He stops and she goes, "Oh, no, the, the, there he is now. Look, Superman, you're here." And then she runs off. So right. I mean, so she she's Thorn. just stealing it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, has Bendis never read Commandy? Like, he's not going to stand there to just watching someone get murdered. And then he t- she murders him, and then Commandy's yeah. like, "Oh," and he just keeps talking to her. Like, who wrote yeah. it? Like, why? Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it. I, I, I was not optimistic going in, but the fact that this has very, very little to do with Legion and the fact that he had to 
massacre commandy to get where he's going nah sure i'm, I'm out I, I just i i gave him a tiny benefit of the doubt but i should have known yep but what are you gonna do you saved me a whole bunch of money bmb uh-huh. thank you yep some of the art was really nice I mean, he's done a, a really good job with the Superman books, so I'm not going to write off Legion. Like, I, I totally agree with you that it seems like if this is the bridge that gets us there, it, it we maybe could have done without it entirely. But yeah. um, but I don't know. Because, I have to see if, if, if Legion proper, once he starts the main book, is is got a different vibe. Because if it's upbeat and a team book, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely longing for that. I, I, I had this little mini running theme that I was going to bring up to you guys to this week anyway, because... I got caught up on a bunch of stuff, including uh, some team books, uh, most notably Avengers and Justice League. And uh, I was just thinking about what a weird time it is in mainstream comics and that I think the the major team books just don't seem to have any buzz to them. I mean, Jason Aaron is on Avengers, which should be huge. But I feel like nobody, ourselves included, is talking about that book. Yep. And Justice League is Scott Snyder, who is arguably one of DC's top writers, if, if not, you know, in the, in the Mount Rushmore currently. And, and, and I feel like zero people talk about that book ever. Uh, no one talks about teen Titans or I just, I feel like there's just not a teen book that, um, th- that is a must read book right now. And now, now I say all this with the caveat of, of, of the X-Men is probably about to make that statement moot, right? When we get through the Hickman stuff, I'm sure at least for, some period of time, X-Men proper will be a team book that a lot of people are talking about and reading. But right now, at least the, the main team books, like the Hallmark benchmark team books for Marvel and DC, just don't seem to be in a place that many people care much about. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I'll take a solo or duo book over a team book any day. I don't. Oh, really, just in general? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a huge yeah, fan I mean, was a team book of guy. team books. I mean, Avengers and X-Men for me was always... Hmm. Well, saying me saying that, like Fantastic Four, okay? I don't mm-hmm. really consider that a team book. I mean, even though, you know, it is. <laughs> but um, no, because Amazing worked well with just Peter Parker, right? Batman works great with Batman and Robin. I just, I don't need seven, eight characters in a book. Well, it's not about need. It's an entirely different dynamic. It sure is. And one that I would much rather, you know not read i want to i want to get to know re- i want to get to know very well a small amount of characters we're having to work with this ensemble cast it just it's not my preferred superhero uh reading style i mean and i've done it for decades but i would uh, you know daredevil at its peak was better than to was more compelling to me than avengers and Ama- mm. amazing was yeah, always just, i guess i'm on the other end of that trade i just don't i don't uh for me the team books when they've been creative have always been far more impactful to me than individual characters well it's it's the all-star squad it's your favorite favorites all in one book like what where's yeah you can't the idea lose that, it, that you get these these iconic characters together to fight us to fight situations that they alone couldn't handle which i love i think i also have a problem with the the team dynamic when you have characters like superman wonder woman on the team green lantern flash like these powerhouses how 
the threats have to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like, how big can you get? You know, oh, we've seen the dark sides and the, you know, the, uh, these, these massive cataclysmic events. So you need the Justice League. But it, I mean, after a while, I, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why Bendis had them all sitting around talking. Because in order to justify the presence of all these uber level heroes, you need an uber level threat every time. They're, they're not going to take out Batrock the Leaper. Right, that's just not going to work. It's not going to justify their time being there in this group. So your threats have to keep mounting and mounting and getting bigger and bigger, and it's just not feasible, right? How many threats to existence can there be? You know? Yeah, I I, I don't. Yeah, I, I feel like that argument can be made about every superhero comic ever. Well, sure. Yeah. 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 But I mean, if you have Superman on the team. You better justify his presence, right? He could be sure. saving. Well, there's a suspension of disbelief, like even with the Avengers movies, right? I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have had normies in your life that watch these movies and say, like, well, how can I don't get it? Like, you have a god who's immortal, and then like he's fighting next to a, a normal, like a human woman and an archer. Like, I don't get like how would they not die in two seconds? Like with Hawkeye. And, you know, again, as a comic fan, you're like, well, it's just the way comics are. But you, it, it, these are logical questions. Like why, like when you're battling g- cosmic beings that are almost omnipotent, like Thanos, you would, the reality is a black widow or a Hawkeye would be dead in three seconds. They're just humans. Like they're really skilled and they would be badass against other humans in some kind of espionage, but like they, they, they would not be able to fight the characters they're fighting, right? But but in the comics, it just works because we're just supposed to believe that they have the kind of mental acuity and skill set that allows them to avoid right. imminent death. Yeah. And so. they look very good doing it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, visual. it's all about the visuals, right? Comics yeah. are a visual medium, so it looks cool to have a person doing kung fu and a person using bows and arrows to go along with someone who can summon thunder and lightning, right? But it's, I mean, but the reality is, I mean, you know, the world yeah. would. Yeah. Well, we're not talking reality. That's boring. Right, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, it, it. for my money, I just like the the one, give me two characters, okay, three, mm-hmm. I'm fine. But and yet you love Legion. I do love Legion. That's a different story. That's, mm. that's the exception to my rule because it just hit me at the right time and I've been reading it for a, a lot, a lot of years. That's the one book where I'm like, okay, and, but anything Legion, the the acronym Legion, I'll, I'll read anything, Legion Lost, the the that not so great New Fifty Two series. Like if you put Legion on the cover, I'll read it. But I don't know, this this may be the the rule breaker for me. Mm. I don't know and I think in our tangent, we completely derailed Dap in mid sentence. So oh, we did. Yeah. So so carry on, Dap. Sorry. <laughs> It's all good. Um, as I was going back, and again, Millennium is first issue. I'm not calling it a whiff, but I, I, I wasn't in love with it. But then I go back and and I look at you know the double page spread from Superman fourteen, or even I mean the one from Supergirl thirty three is not as dynamic. It's McGuire and he's drawing a lot of characters and it's cool looking, but it's not. I really felt it. One, mm-hmm. um, 
when when Vice and uh, brings everybody together. But I see that team, and I see them coming from the 31st century and and talking about Unity Day and and even at the end of the issue, the 14th, where where you know they they're like, hey, you know, we want we want you. To, to come with us and, and Superman's like, oh yeah, you know, listen, I'm I'm honored and all, but um, you know, I I, I really this is where I need to be and, and this is my area. Yeah, 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 champ, it settled it. We're, we're not we ain't talking about you. We we're we're talking about Superboy and 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 that last panel with with Superman's reaction and the finger point, just like you know, as if it's, he can't believe it. It's, it's his son of all people, but not even him. But when I look at this team, I'm still. I'm still optimistic that, you know, once Millennium is done, we'll get that team and I'll be enjoying it. I right now just want it. I mean, it's it's half done. But with, with Millennium, I'm feeling like Millennium is maybe Bendis shouldn't do miniseries leading up to the stories he's trying to tell. Because Man of Steel, I thought, could have started off cool and quickly just wasn't doing it for me and then he comes back with superman and i'm like okay cool i mean yeah the rogos are stories still i mean it's finally ending but it, it just it went on and on and on action started off pretty cool i was digging action a lot so i like his long form stories the miniseries kicking things off not so much so i'm hoping if looking back at man of steel that maybe millennium kind of follows that pattern once we actually get two legion of superheroes with the first issue then um I'll be right in the world. Yeah, I still have hope. Yeah. I look forward to hearing about it. Cool. Yeah, we're going to convince you. We're going to get No, you're not. You're going you're gonna to go to Books a yeah. Million in like yeah. 2023. Yeah, we'll be at Heroes and he'll buy the first And you're going to be like, holy shit, let me tell you guys. And you're going to spend 45 minutes regaling the mm-hmm. listeners about Legion Superheroes. And we're going to be like, mm-hmm. I'm not that predictable. It's not going to happen. You're not shit. Yeah, Can we do a timestamp on this? Do it because I'm guaranteeing I won't read it. You're guaranteeing. I will guarantee you I will not sure. read it. Yeah. All right. Like I'm okay. I'm unable to keep my word. I'm telling you I won't well, read. It seems read like it. why why make that as like why declare that your word like what like because I I I have not liked what I've read so far of his mm-hmm. Superman stuff and I didn't like this Legion thing so why would I read it? That had almost no Legion in it. That had no Legion in it. But yet it says it on the cover. That Thank you. Sold. Take my money. Like, what the hell? If if if, if you're opening a, a, a miniseries leading to the Legion and the first issue has nothing to do with the Legion, here's my middle finger. Thank you. I, I have enough comics. I don't need to spend $4 on something that has nothing to do with the subject matter I signed up for. It's ridiculous. And the dialogue is stupid. Uh, she, they have to mention Harley Quinn. Oh, you're just like Harley Quinn. <laughs> she was a handful. That's ridiculous. I, I don't want to read that. I don't think he's any good. That's that's my take on Bendis. I do not like the way he writes. Wow, that is a strong take. I I've, I gave him the benefit. It was right yeah. there. I just I don't like it. I think on, he he's he's much too chatty. He's like the the the. It's the same thing that pushed me out of Avengers when he was writing it. I just mm-hmm. don't like his approach to humanity. It's weird. Well, on letter news, can we give a shout out to a friend, a listener, a patron, and a guy that deserves the love, Mr. Chris Seifert, who is the creator and and runs Comic Book DB? Hell yeah! Because because I 
I I gotta say, I use Comic Book DB literally almost every day. I I would say that I'm on it to check something out. Certainly many times a week. And when we're doing the show, I have it I have it open almost all the time to verify things. And um, it's been a minute since we gave that some love. And for any of you that are listening that aren't familiar with the site. Uh, it's comicbookdb.com, and it is the place to go if you want to ever answer a question about comics. It's like the Wikipedia for comics. You can look up any creator, any character, any series, and it will give you all the info, issue by issue. Yeah. Cover art, all the creators involved, the editors, the characters that appeared in it. It's fantastic. And, it's, and it is like a – it's a wiki. So so there are uh, just a host of, of of power contributors that go – that take time out of their – lives to add books to the database. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe Chris could tell us cause he's a member of the community. I don't know how many contributors or, but I will tell you that it's amazingly comprehensive because I don't think I've ever looked for a information on the site and couldn't find the issue or the, you know, so, so they are, there's enough people that are keeping it updated pretty much real time. So just, just throwing them some love. Cause that's a tool that, I take for granted, and I, I think I just wanted to – he deserves – it's an incredible endeavor that he's put, yeah. put, put it, a lot of love on. It's light years ahead of the alternative. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. The alternative yeah. is slow and clunky and sometimes doesn't even load at all. And yeah. it, when you do get a, a return on your search, it's hard to navigate. The, 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 for sure. It's just – yeah. But yeah, are, Comic Book TV is the truth. Are You guys are, I'm assuming, not current on Avengers? Oh, I haven't so, read it. I haven't read it in a while. Oh, you haven't read any of the Jason Aaron stuff? I, I have them, but... Mm-hmm. What about you, Dad? You're not current? I am not current. And and just just for just clarification or full disclosure or whatever, Chris did sell Comic Book DB earlier this year. Oh, he did? Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, no, he mentioned it to... He actually, he, he, he tweeted it about it. He tweeted oh, about shit, it. Oh, shit, I had no idea. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, he's so. I mean, any support questions or whatnot can be directed to comicbook.com. But, um, but yeah, oh, comic but it's because bought it, yeah. Um, oh, really? God, I, I mean, no it's still idea. working and everything because I was on it today, but um, it's uh, but because of what he did, because of the work he put into it, and because of all the people who who supported it and, and used it, he's able he was able to do that. So, I mean, major oh, props to him. I hope still. he got a fucking boatload. I hope it set him up so, for life. What's what's comicbook.com? Am I being stupid? No, it's um, another website. Was that is that the one that was owned by um Viscardi? It's not owned by it. Viscardi uh is the he runs it. They, they okay. hired okay. It. I don't know what his title I don't know if it's I don't know if he's editor in chief or president or whatever, but yeah, he is the guy that runs Comic Book DB. Okay. He doesn't own it though. It's, there are some corporate overlords that own it. Oh well damn, Chris. Well the damn tip beer tip my beer to you, man. or my seltzer to you. I didn't realize you had you had uh, cashed out. Good for you. Huh. But getting back to the Avengers. No, I, it's weird. You know, you guys know I got the love for the Avengers, and and I, and you know I got the love for Jason Aaron. But man, I just, uh, I don't know what's going on with this book, man. It is a meandering. It's meandering. I'll leave it at that. It it, it we're twenty three issues in, and I, I not much has happened. Like the the premise. If I were to give you the elevator pitch, it sounds incredible. Jason Aaron writing it. Ed McGinnis is the main artist. The team's pretty cool. Um, they're based in a fucking celestial, which is awesome. Like that's an awesome concept, right? Their base is a celestial. 
T'Challa has got a whole crew of other supporting characters, including Gorilla Man, that help support the team, which is awesome. Like, all of the setup is awesome, but, like, nothing's happened. Like, nothing's happened. And, you know, they got caught up in the whole War of Realms, fakak the stuff for a few months, and I don't know, man. Um, and I got to say, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to offend some people, but I cannot stand the new Ghost Rider. I, I, Robbie Reyes? Robbie Reyes does absolutely nothing for me. A- and he is a centerpiece of this book. I just don't get it. I don't get why I should care. I think it's stupid that I have to see a, a, a muscle car in every in every Avengers scene. I don't I, like it. Doesn't it just doesn't fit? Like that you have to put a car battling trolls and and super villains. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I don't get it at all. I, I just do not get it. And and I think that the 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 mask when Trad Mord created the, the look, it was cool because Trad's got that really. Uh, exaggerated line style that's that makes the art his right like you know trad moore's got such a distinctive look mm-hmm. but when everyone else tries to draw the mask it just doesn't look as cool as the original it worked for trad because of his artistic style it doesn't work for other people i i don't think it's anywhere near as cool as the other iterations of ghost rider whether we're talking about the one that donny cates created the frank castle one or we're talking about the ogs so uh I, I'm just ready for him to not be a part of this team, but he seems to be just at the epicenter. I will say, Vince, one thing that you would probably find is cool, um, and I don't know why it's like this, but Blade is on the team, mm-hmm. and sitting on Blade's shoulder most of the time is Man Thing, but it's right. like he, but it's like only like Man Thing's head. He's like almost. It's almost like I don't know if he's like I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be a devolved version or like just a piece of him, or he's a kid. I don't understand why he's like that, but it's kind of cute because they have like the symbiotic relationship where. Man thing will sprout wings for Blade, or he'll oh. help him. You know, he'll he'll do things to help him. They have a symbiotic relationship. Wasn't thing. it like that uh, during the vampire, uh, the Dracula arc? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying. I forget. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why how Man Thing ended up being like this. I don't think we were told why. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. But I will say there was uh, some heat about two months ago with issue twenty one. I think Caleb even posted some panels in our Facebook group. Oh, because the, um, the hot, the there was spring, a scene the with spring? yeah, there was a scene with uh, at the bottom of the Avengers Mountain uh, is a hot spring, and after the events of War of Realms, they were doing a little decompression. Totally cool, you know. You do you, and it's Thor, Tony, and Cap in a hot spring together. But like, much love to Caleb and all the other. Folk out there that like the, you know, the manses, that's all good. But, like, I, I, I didn't get it, get it at all for two reasons. One, why in the fuck would, in their own base in the hot springs, would Thor be in the hot springs with Mjolnir? Tony be in the hot springs in just a bathing suit but his helmet. And then Cap is in his costume and then he disrobes to get into this hot spring, but he brings his shield into it. Like, See, why you know what you know which one is? But they, <laughs> we know we know who they are because if they don't look the same, like yes, yes. Um, and then to boot and listen, you know, I try and keep it on the positive, and I I I don't like to do this, but I'm gonna just be blunt. Jason Masters, who was the fill-in artist for that issue, needs to never get another Marvel book again. Oh boy, yeah, no, wow! It was it was it would. It, it looked like the solicits for 
uh, Boundless comics. Oh, I mean, it was it was like bad figure work. The kind of figure work where I might see someone post on Twitter, "Hey, I've taken a commission list for New York Comic Con," and I would go to their calf and <laughs> in ten minutes be like, "All oh, hails to the nah, This isn't happening." Like it's it was just like I don't know. Like it just it was an absolute. That's that really, really like offensively bad. Like it, like there, there's no way a, a book, one of the top ten books at Marvel or DC should should have a villain artist like that. So, um, Stefano Caselli did the subsequent two issues. I don't know if uh, McGinnis is off the book entirely or if he just needed a break. Um, you know, Caselli's perfectly fine for and, oh, and yes. is and is suitably. He, he's not exactly like McGinnis, but he's got the same kind of tendency to have exaggerated over muscular characters so it, it felt a little more fitting to the rest of the run but this this master's cat not nah, suit he's gotta keep him drawing the james bond comics that none of us read because that's what he was doing before this oh boy so dynamite yes but yes okay lower tier dynamite <laughs> that is very bad then yes <laughs> yes like one fifty a page rate dynamite. <laughs> wow, that's. <laughs> I got to keep it one hundred. I was like, because I because I just remembered those panels from when Caleb posted it, and obviously he was doing it for the humor of it, like this sexual innuendo of those panels. But then I'm I'm I was baffled that those panels came from the issue that, and, and where I'm like, oh wow, this is this is rough. <laughs> like this is this is rough. I mean, this is this is Avengers. This isn't. I don't know. This isn't like Belladonna, you know. I don't know. Jeez. Yo. Anywho, pick me up here. Tell me something you loved. Oh, okay. Well, I you read you read something with Frankenstein. I did too. Yes. Yes. I got a package from Mabu, Mister Josh Bayer. Oh, word. Yeah, and uh, he. Is this rec- the first time he sent you something? No, hell no. Um, oh my, my bad. My bad. <laughs> It's uh, he recently released through Tinto Press a giant collection of the uh, Theth stories and a floppy. And um, he had this special deal where um, you ordered the uh, the Theth collection and he gave you a free watercolor drawing. Wow! And who am I to say no to Josh Bayer original art? Uh, so. There's something very uh, special about the collection and the floppy. The floppy is called Black Star, and it's uh, written and illustrated by Josh Bayer, of course. Great cover by Jeff Test, and I have my suspicions about the cover that I'll get into later. Uh, published, I said, by Tinto Press. We love the meta-textual, right? And um, Black Star's super meta. The The main story begins with somebody called the little man he's a diminutive dude right think of a miscreant homunculus very small dude like he's tiny and he's he's struggling through this this urban sprawl and he's he's clutching his arm and he's 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 trying to make his way through the city and he winds up at the door of someone called the faceless one and it's a woman it's a female doctor Right, she's tall and she's snake-like, but she's literally without facial features. She's got two long, 
could be eyebrows, could be eyelashes, just two lines on her face. Uh, whatever the case, she's expressionless. She's hooded. A doctor, no less. Okay, so he enters asking for help. Uh, and she sees his discomfort, right? So she lifts him up under his arms like a little baby man. <laughs> and she starts to examine him. And she pulls back the this jacket and his shirt. And she said he's got a bloody wound on his shoulder. And then she realizes he's been shot. Probably during foul play, right? So she says, you know, the result of gunplay has to be reported to the authorities, right? So she's she grabs the receiver rotary dial phone she grabs the receiver and she's she's gonna log her findings with the law and the little guy escapes he makes a hasty retreat out the window so he plunges back into the dark depths of the concrete jungle and he eventually makes his way to a sewer and he's crawling and scraping and he's he's on all fours and his lifeblood's draining out of him and he's tired and doesn't have too many options and he's cursing the faceless doctor and he stops and in a pool he just gets on his back in a pool and he's cursing the doctor but the pool is really the palm of the behemoth the creature made of dead right frankenstein's monster not explicitly stated frankenstein's monster but uh bayer used dick briefer's frankenstein as an inspiration for this character um, you remember Frank and Briefer's Frankenstein had the nose, the displaced nose, um, way, way high between the eyes. Well, Bayer takes it to the nth degree and he makes Frankenstein with a giant, giant, very thin nose that sticks straight up a lot of times, like over his head. It's his huge nose. Um, so the, the creature lifts him up and the little man sees that the monster's wounded as well, right? Two freaks of nature in the same predicament. Um, I was, well, what the hell? They're, both of them are born of woman, but one was a natural birth and one was an infernal birth. And, but they're both twisted, mm-hmm. twisted by humanity, right? So in this book, the Dr. Frankenstein, the faceless one, is a woman. Um, so the little guy pulls a knife and he goes up to the beast and the beast is like, Rrr! he's like, he doesn't want to mm-hmm. kill, he doesn't want to kill the beast, right? He, he, he helps him. He cuts away the bullet in the monster and the two are joined in purpose right they hate humanity they're they loathe everything um so the monster cradles the little dude and he brings him to uh, a safe house little guy says i got a safe house down there take me there they got a sawbones he's gonna patch me up so the monster stays outside doesn't want to you know the little dude doesn't want to tip off his crime buddies that he's got a monster in his back pocket. So the monster stays outside and the, the crime dudes, they make fun of him. They, they, they call him like their mascot and, you know, they poke, poke fun at his size and that he's useless and he's just there for laughs and, and they pull a knife on him and they're going to kill him. Um, and then the little guy goes, he whistles and who comes barging into the, the safe house, but the monster and he rips apart the criminals just tears them apart literally pulling them apart his heads pulled off blood all over the place he does this little kind of kind of dance with as he's ripping them apart it's just it's beautiful to see bayer just crushes it um so then the two the little man and the monster the behemoth they go on a crime spree right um they smash their way into a bank vault 
and they're killing and destroying and the monster uh makes mincemeat of the cops and he kicks his police car in a beautifully constructed page that i will very soon own because as soon as i finished this issue i sent josh a message i said yo i want this page and this page and i said i'm gonna be in nycc october 3rd we'll hook up and he's like all right so i got two pages coming from this book (laughs) right um Mm -hmm. so the monster kind of takes solace in the fact that even one as cursed as he a blight made of discarded body parts could find a friend Someone he does not hate, right? But the little man sees only opportunity in the monster and plans to use the beast and then cast him away when his goals are met. He wants to be like the little little king of the underworld, you know? Um, so the little, little man says, hey, wait a minute. I got something to do. Stay here. Don't follow me. I got to take care of a little bit of business. I'll be right back. So mm-hmm. unknown to the beast, the little man's making a beeline to the faceless one's abode and he's going to get his revenge. But little does the little does the little man know that the monster has idea of his, of his own. And, um, it's just holy crap. Uh, bear just totally destroyed it. But the, um, the cool thing about black star, it works on its own. A story of two disenfranchised castaways banding together. You know, it works. But it, it's also a meta-textual component. It's a companion to Theth Tomorrow Forever. Because in Tomorrow Forever, Theth reads comics, right? He never pays mm-hmm. for them. He goes to 7-Eleven, reads comics, never pays yeah. for them. Black Star is the comic that Theth is reading in the first bunch of pages of the Tomorrow Forever collection. So you get the collected edition featuring Theth's, Theth's adventures and this book he's reading, you can hold it in your very hand and read it. So, But that's cool. That's one layer of meta. Then there's another meta layer because in the back of Black Star, Bayer does this story where he's on the subway and he's drawn the cover for Tomorrow Forever on the subway. Like he's constantly, he's an artist artist. He just works constantly. So he's drawn the cover of, of Tomorrow Forever, and this woman comes up to him. And she's like, what are you doing? You know. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm going to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, she's poking him and prodding him. There's a, there's a story in a comic about a graphic novel. Like it's, there's layers of, of craziness in this thing. It's perfection, right? There are pinups by Jason T. Miles and Matthew Thurber in this book. Uh, but it, there's a one-page intro by Josh a.k.a. Theth, where he says that Black Star could have been one of those weird comics that that shared the rack space with Batman and the X-Men in, in the 90s because in the early 90s, like, anything goes, right? And so I, I, I drew, I, I took the data and I'm trying to piece this together, like, what comic inspired, did Josh pull off the rack in the 90s that inspired this book, right? So the Black Star's based li- loosely on the work of Dick Briefer, Frankenstein. Okay. And then I look at the cover, which is a pretty awesome illustration by Jeff Test. And the, the monster's wearing buttons, pin, pin back buttons on his, on his jacket on the cover. I'm like, I've seen that before. 
So I put two and two together. There was an issue of Buried Treasure from Caliber Comics, which was released in August 1990, third issue of Buried Treasure, which featured Dick Briefer's Frankenstein. And on the cover, Briefer's Frankenstein has circles in almost the exact same spot. Oh, no, neat. Yeah, that the the uh, test uh, Frank, uh, behemoth wears. So I'm guessing that that book that he pulled off the, the racks in 1990 was Caliber's Buried Treasure number three. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we'll see. I'll ask Josh. Uh, but it's just an amazing book. I mean, everything Bayer does is the truth. He doesn't fuck around. He he's not an orator. We talk about visual voice, right? He he's mm-hmm. not he's not an eloquent speaker. He he's not going to compel you with his wordplay. He's going to speak to you plain language. He's going to grunt. He's going to scream. He's going to spit like verisimilitude. It, his work just smacks of the truth, and it, he's honest and he's real. And I love every damn mark this guy makes. And you should see the color in this book too. It's incredible. Computer, um, Photoshop coloring, but he just, he, he, he's fearless. He uses pinks and oranges in one panel. Then he'll have, uh, ice blue and, and pink in another. And then there's some panels where, I mean, he's, he's very spare with his color in some panels. And then other panels, he just goes balls out. Like there's tons of color and you can see the brush strokes. He, he goes, he he goes outside the lines. Um, mm-hmm. He's just amazing. Um, I wish you guys um, could read this because it is just amazing. Now, I think I think it's his uh, most accomplished work to date. Mm-hmm. That's saying a lot, right? I'm curious to hear you describe it as Photoshop coloring in the sense that isn't like all coloring these days Photoshop coloring? Yeah, but you I mean, there's you could tell the brush a lot of the brush marks. Mm-hmm. The uh, the shape of the brush is a, is an indicator that um, a lot of guys try and hide it. They right. try they try and hide the computer coloring, and, and there are ways to do that. And Bayer doesn't give a, a hoot. He mm-hmm. he just goes in and and colors, and it looks freaking phenomenal. Like I, I I haven't seen anybody wrangle spreads like this out of Photoshop. And the, the brush marks are there. Normally, I would say, the fuck, guy? You know what I mean? You can't even cover your tracks. Like, you, it's a clear indicator that you use Photoshop for this. Uh, but no, he just makes it work. He blends mm. where he has to. Other times, he'll just leave it nice and sloppy and beautiful. It's, it's, it's chaos, and it's just amazing chaos. Yeah. I, I could not recommend this, this highly. You can get it from Josh more highly. You can get it from Josh, or you can go to Tinto Press. So... Mm. Get your ass out there and get Black Star. And there's a connection to David Bowie's last album too, I think, Black Star, where Bowie used the metaphor of the Black Star in a in a way that he was touched by this thing that wasn't entirely benevolent and like a star it spread this not so benevolent stuff and there's some of that in here. There's there's a lot, a lot, a lot of copy in it. It's great. Ties into Morrison's Green Lantern too. Yeah, the Black Green Lantern Stars. Black Star in yep. your current previews. Yep. Hardcover Volume Two. Ordered it, baby. Boom. Yep. Best book DC's spitting out now. I just got to catch up on it. I only yep. read the first two issues. 
have them all. I, I say that ha- not having read ninety nine point nine percent of the books DC's putting out, but for for me, I think this Green Lantern is just phenomenal. Nice. Yep. So there you go, Black Star. I started reading Theth, but it's too big. It's very thick. It's like over two hundred pages. So I didn't finish it. That's what she said. Yeah, and it's funny. Even the envelope. He sent the books in was artfully designed. Like he spelled my street wrong, February, and he crossed it out and wrote above it the correct spelling of February. <laughs> so needless to say, I'm keeping the friggin' envelope. Sure, right? Totally. And he, you know, why not? He's my man. Mm-hmm. I got a crush a little bit. You do. A little. It's cute though. Yeah, and we'll see him at New York. Wait, what? That's what I said. He's gonna give. He's gonna bring the. We're going to meet, and I'm going to get my pages and give him his money. Oh, he's not set up an artist alley. You're saying? Oh no, 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 no. No, we're gonna meet on the on the sly on the outside of the convention. Uh, Okay. Speaking of uh, New York Comic Con, I will say I got to give them props. They they just updated their app for the year because you know they've had a New York Comic Con app for a couple years, (laughs) and the first year it was absolute shite. Yeah. Last year it was passable. Looks good this year. It looks robust. It looks stable. Um, interestingly, if you use the app, you get the entire Artist Alley, but the main site doesn't have Artist Alley listed yet. So, you know, if you're an OA hawk like me, you got to get on that app, people. It would be nice if you can contact the artists through the yeah, app. That would be dope, yeah. That would be the best. That's a good idea. I don't think that kind of functionality is hard to build in. No. No, definitely not. That'd be really cool. You have a future in software development, Vince. Mayhap. Mayhap indeed. Mayhap. If only I can get someone to program it for me, because I can't do that. Plenty of code monkeys out there. I tried. I tried to crack the JavaScript. It's not for me. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. So what else do we have? There's got to be lots and lots of stuff. Oh, oh yeah. What you what? That's some quiet as a as a titmouse. You're talking. About I just went off on Young Justice. Nah, dog. It's quiet. And then I got shat on because you know it's a Bendis book. But then you know that oh, you shit. don't write anything else good. So who shat on uh, you for the Bendis book? I didn't. I didn't shit on you for reading that. Yeah, nobody shit on you for Young Justice. <laughs> nobody yeah. shot on me for reading it. I'm just saying, like, oh, it's the best book he's written. Yeah, but you know he doesn't. He can't write good. I don't like him. Sorry. We all have we all have our our likes and dislikes. I, I, I just we do don't, have our peccadillos. I just don't like them. Sorry. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I'm not I'm not dinging your taste by saying, "Oh, you're enjoying that." What the fuck do you know? I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just glad you're loving it. You guys uh, ca- caught up on the Conan? No. I just read the first trade. Which is what the first one five to five? Yeah, one okay. to five. Because they're through nine now. And it's still keeping the same conceit, right? Where it's a story within a story? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, I like that they're doing it because I like that they're breaking the weight for the tr- trade mold. Through through nine issues, it's still the first storyline. It's still nice. the death of Conan, him with the – I can't think of the old witch's name, but like that whole thing. Like It's still all part of that. So it's a slow build, but each issue is its own thing, which I really appreciate. And I just think it's dope as fuck. I mean, we're all huge Mahmoud fans. I think he's doing his best work ever. Um, I think that um, there was an issue. I think it was seven. Maybe it was eight, but it was seven or eight 
uh, where uh, Gerardo Zafino was a fill-in. Yeah. And Zafino is a much different looking artist than Mahmoud, but I thought it looked great. Uh, I'm fine with that. Like he can fill in every every five six issues if need be. Um, the the yeah, it's just different anecdotes that have led to Conan Conan's blood being. The premise for those that don't know is Conan hacked off a witch's head way back in the day, but he didn't sever it. He just like almost cut it off. It was hanging by a thread. She somehow survives, although she's not quite in like an, she's not all there, but, um, but she's got minions, including two little kids. Like brother and sister. <laughs> Sorry. When you say minions, I only think of one thing. Daph's, Daph's co-worker? No. Well, yeah, but the, Banana, the the minions. Right? Yeah, no, I yeah. know, no, I know. And they they trick Conan and have him trapped, and they want to sacrifice him. And uh, the book leads us to believe this is the death of Conan. I, you know, whether right. that's true or not, I don't know. But, um, and these last few issues after the trade you read, Vince, are basically one shots where they look at different aspects of Conan, like that have built him to be who he is. You know, from his ability as a soldier to his ability as a lover. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Like I, I just, uh, I just think this, the settings are, are fantastic. The the pace has been terrific. The dialogue's terrific. I just think that they're really in sync with this book. I I, I think that uh, it, it's it's a a perfect marriage between the creative team and um, yeah. I just, I mean, we're, we're like I said, we're nine issues in and we still haven't gotten any kind of quote unquote resolution that you were used to getting in five or six issues because of trades now and. Right. Uh, I'm fine with it. I think it's been terrific. I, I, I'm just loving the journey. It's, it's, it's a book. I was, I was relatively up up to date on it. I only had three issues to catch up on, and uh, yeah, I just I think it's terrific. I, I you know, I'm, uh, the the issue. There's an issue where it's it's a bunch of women that are uh, put into sexual slavery, and Conan plays the hero there. And uh, it's just great because, like, you know, we're used to Conan betting women, right? Like, that's something he obviously does a lot. And and in this, they, they're ready to to hook a brother up because they're hookers. <laughs> but he's like, nah, I got to take care of business. So he's kind of like playing the stoic protector, which is a little an- 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 anathema to what we're used to Conan doing. But then once he takes care of business, and, like, it's like the James – you know how in James Bond movies? Yep. Like, at the end, it's always Bond, ba- like, banging out some – femme fatale because like the mission's over that's kind of how this was like he took he takes her a business and then there's no net now that the danger's out of the way there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't just bang it out so they're all just like hey let's take care of, you know let's so they all just go to town on him and it's like and it's every flavor every flavor you savor yep you like the asian women you like the you like the the dark-skinned women you like the light-skinned women conan has them all at once my man my man yeah, I I wasn't put off by the the lack of speed in the 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 main story. Let's call it because you get a complete story every issue. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? it's, it's a done it's, in it's, each one is essentially a done in one. Did you notice they call it a novella? Yeah, like which is interesting. I mean, I well, that's I'm the hoping, text, right? That's the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that this leads to an art oversized hardcover. Collecting, I don't know if it's going to go twelve issues, fifteen. I have no idea what the what the end plan is for this particular first arc. But yeah, it's 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 it's. It, it, I, I'm loving it. I I have not read a ton of Conan. Um, 
over the years, but this seems like a very worthy uh, piece to the legacy. Yeah. Well, if it means anything, the text is not in the first trade. They don't really? include. Yeah, they don't include any of it. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Huh. I was kind of disappointed because. Um, in the singles that I've read, I just kind of flipped past that because mm-hmm. I wanted to read it all at once or at least a nice big chunk of it at once, mm-hmm. and it's not in the uh, trade paperback. Uh-huh. Sad, which maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll publish it in uh, – get get some dudes to do spot illustrations. Yeah. It's another way to sell something. I'd buy that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, Marvel's Conan is, is – it, there's levels of greatness. I think uh, Jason and Mahmoud's Conan is at the top of the peak. Savage Sword is pretty good. And from what I've seen of the ancillary series, like mm-hmm. Belit and, and Valeria, mm, not so good. They, the, but that's the nature of the beast, right? right we knew right. that as soon as, as soon as you get the license back, you, you're, there's going to be books that are filler books. Yeah. Um, Dap, I see on your list that you are up to date on Batman. I am. As what do you today, think? Yes. We we haven't talked about Tom's Batman in a minute. We have not. Um, I, I like the story um, because now it's it's uh, Bruce is more or less recuperating. Um, Gotham City is a city under Bane, and the Batman of Gotham City currently is um, is Thomas Wayne, the Batman from Flashpoint, and that's um, that's all well and good. And I wasn't, I, I, you know, I I respect Tony Daniels' ability. I'm just not the biggest fan. So a story mm-hmm. like this, um, now he can draw attractive people, but I guess I don't know. I wasn't really heavy enough for me, and uh, there was some big doings a couple issues ago. Uh, for some people, it was spoiled <laughs> mere minutes after waking up in the morning because right. people run out to Comicsology and get their books. Um, what happened? Hmm. I, I'll I'll say it doesn't spoiler, can, spoiler fast forward let's say five minutes if you don't want the spoilers. Uh, the whole setup, Vince, is that um, Bane has given an ultimatum to to Batman and his family, including the Robins, including everybody. Do not come to Gotham, and if you do, um, we will kill a loved one. One that you all hold dear, and that loved one that uh, Bane had hostage was Alfred. And the little shit that Damien is, because why do rules apply to him? He decides to he he works on taking out Gotham Gal, Gotham Girl, and um, and Batman makes his way to um, to rescue Alfred. But um, Bane is standing there behind Alfred. And Alfred's all tied up and, and in a chair. And Bane snaps his neck. Huh. 
And yeah, and it's pretty decisive. Yeah, it's it's a full panel. You, it's like you see the snap, the around. You see that, yeah. yeah. And and as um and and Bane and, and Batman are telling Damien, you know, you know, you think you know, you, you this is all fun and well and you think, you know, you may now have uh the upper hand because, you know, we we took out the bargaining chip, but you didn't think it through all the way because now Damien is their bargaining chip. So um the bat and the birds are still supposed to stay away from Gotham and Batman pretty much is because Bruce and Selena are uh, in Europe and, and kind of just he's, he's training and trying to heal. And um, they, they sort of dance around the whole thing that didn't happen. Uh, she's basically just there to, 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 to make him better um, at least physically. This is mentally that that's a lost cause, but you, so it's, it's the, this most recent today, this week's issue was, um, was illustrated by clay man. And I know you're going to just absolutely love some of those pages because some of them are just repeated panels, but they're, um, it's, it, for me, it was a better looking book than, than, than the past couple issues by, by Tony Daniel. But the, the story is, um, is definitely, it's 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 a simmer it it's definitely a slow build um it's just uh it's it's heavy and and i don't know and obviously tom is taking things from flashpoint and from year one and and he's he's just threading things together to to tell his story and um you know it's it's weird because I mean now how if if this is the status quo for Batman going forward, even after Tom leaves the book, um, you know is 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 Alfred State dead? I mean that that to me that that's that's the thing that I'm wondering about most. Like, how do you have? Well, um, I mean, you know the answer to that. He stays dead until whoever until takes the next over Batman yeah. wants yeah. to have ba- Alfred right. back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, but then that's, 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 I don't consider that it's, I'm going to say it's a disservice, but it just, it, it, it lessens the impact of the previous person's story in a way. I mean, especially because these are characters, these are, these are serialized stories and they, they continue to, yeah, obviously with Flashpoint and, and reboots and multiple Earths and you can kind of, you know, reset things as, as the story calls for. But if, if it's, there are times where it's very hard to, as a um, as continuity buff for somebody who wants to who who thinks that you know actions have consequences and and is uh, like in life when when someone leaves you you have to move on with that um, you know I'd just be curious to see if some things actually do stick in 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 a big two universe and, and or at least in that corner of the universe I mean we we. They tried that with Superman with the whole short hair and the blue jeans and the black T-shirt. And that, of course, you know, and then he was and then his identity was outed, um, which, of course, was kind of just reset. And, and they did the same thing during Civil War. Quesada said, you know, for as long as the story takes place, everybody will know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker until the story ran its course. And Doctor Strange just made everybody forget. But... Um, it's weird, yeah, but it was, it was, it was, and what was weird is when I, when I went to the shop that day, um, 
I wasn't going to get that issue because I'm not in speculator mode anymore. But um, the shop owner was like, listen, I have one copy left. It's already going um, for a few bucks. Um, online, some shops are already selling it for more than cover. He goes, I got one copy left. If if, if you want it, you can have it. Um, and I'm like, all right. So I walk over to the shelf to get it because he did have one copy left. And right before I get to the shelf, because he, he, I, I avoided the spoiler. I didn't know what happened. Right before I get to the to, to the shelf to get the book, he, he, he tells me what happens. I was like, all right, that's cool. Thanks. I was like, all right, sure. But um, no, I read it and it was still a pretty um it was it was a moment it was it was it was it was a bit of a gut punch yeah i i mean i hear what you're saying on tony daniel he's he's one of those guys though where i definitely would never if i was editor-in-chief i wouldn't pick tony daniel to write uh, not to, to draw a book for me but he's he's not offensive either though like oh no i agree not- I agree. He's not like the Greg Land. Like, I, like I'm not bothered by him doing a book. And I will say, I think in this run, particularly in '78, uh, I think he does a great job drawing non-costume characters. I, I think his costumes characters are are stiff, but I think when he's drawing, um, when he's drawing Magnum PI, Tom Selleck, Batman, and uh, oh no, that's Clay Man. This week is Clay Man. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it then. Never mind. <laughs> Okay, we'll scratch that then, because Clayman did just fine. Yeah, yes, he did. Um, no, you're not. You're, you know, because even yeah, it's 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 definitely it's serviceable, and there are some. Uh, I I wasn't a fan of that Booster Gold story he did that Tom wrote, but this this wasn't as this this current arc is easier to take, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why, but. Um, Maybe it's because of the mood or, or, or the tone of it, but um, yeah, well, it's nice to see this because of how much hate Tom got for the wedding not going as planned. Mm-hmm. And they've and, been selling out; they're all going back to second printing. Oh right, no, I know, but you know, but he still got the hate. People oh, absolutely, of course he does. And it's like, what is this? Uh, so this is issue seventy-eight, so we're talking twenty-eight issues, so fourteen months, so a, a year, basically a year later, and it's like, can you all fucking chill? Right, like there's, it's all good. Like life is not over, you know. <laughs> so, well, it's for Alfred. Well, well, it's not though. It's over until whoever. Well, it's like, nice that they need to play the Heather Hudson of the group. That's right. Or it could be a. Is there any way it could have been a a, a look alike that they Bane kind sure. of? Sure. Well, it. I mean, you're 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 setting up one of the myriad ways that they can bring him back, right? Yeah. Right. I think Tom intends for him to be dead. Yes. For the gravitas of his story, he's supposed to be dead. Because the whole premise of this through 78 issues is that Bane has been playing the long game. And he's been whooping Batman's ass by, in, in the process. Right? Like, every everything that we've read so far, which many things seem disparate, have been all connected and all masterminded by Bane in, in the ultimate chess game. Right. And so I would think that killing Alfred would be all part of that. So do you and Damien's think... a little bitch, man. Damien's a little bitch. Like, yes. Man, he, he needs to get somebody needs to whoop his ass. Absolutely, and the uh, you have Joker and Riddler as Gotham City detectives. Yes, which was a lot of fun. And you got like sad more. You got like moribund Kite Man. <laughs> what was me, Kite Man? You got to ask Tom what's up with the he, he's got he's got a thing for the Kite Man. <laughs> he does. He really does. Do you think um, that um, 
Batman could be playing a long game of his own, like the pain. Well, it would be Batman, but I think I, Batman in this story is losing legitimately. But I think because it's Batman, of course, he's gonna he's 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 at the point now in the story where he understands that he's losing. Like he's now sees the forest for the trees. Yeah, he but, he now figured out. You know, he had that uh, usual suspects moment where Chaz Palminteri starts remembering back to all the things and realizes what Kevin Spacey was doing to him. Batman has seen everything now. He knows what Bane has done to orchestrate all of this. So once you give Bruce, once Bruce has awareness of what's happening, you know he's going to make the necessary adjustments. Right. But what I was getting at was, do you think that that component is Bruce building it into the long game? Meaning like, I'm going to endure all this pain and suffering and death and, you know, kind of pretend that I didn't see it coming and, and, and just play the part of the battered superhero losing to this long foe this you know, the long game of this foe and in the end i knew it was coming and i'm gonna have contingencies in place like i i could see tom at the end just having batman knew what was going to happen the whole time and i'd just, be super disappointed if that was the case no huh. well just because it would seem to go against the whole point of the story which is that well i haven't read most of it so oh yeah. I mean, it seems to me like the whole point of the story is that Bane finally figured out the way to be Batman is not by breaking his back. It's by breaking his will. Right, right. So, and that, that also ties into the Wayback Machine, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I got to give it up to Clay Man. I'm looking at these pages, and he draws a damn fine Selena. Oh, my he God, does. I know. There's a panel where she's laying in a bikini. I see it. And, <laughs> and dude is like, that's your wife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are like, you doing no. out here? <laughs> no, we're tanning. Can't get tan in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for an omnibus, maybe. Of all oh, this. definitely. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, or maybe two omnibi, because what's an average omnibus? 30 issues, 40 issues? Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe three by the time he's done. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Nice. What else? I read something that's going to infuriate Jason. <laughs> why is this? Which is kind of why I read it in the first place. Wow, that's that's see, that's that's cold blooded. That's not cold blooded. I like to get you going. Mm. What we're we just going to be all? Oh yeah, that's great. I'm um, on my way to hurt your feelings. It's not hurting your feelings. I just picked. I, I was not uh, enthused with anything that uh coming out of uh the usual wednesdays for a while and i said ah shit i'm gonna pick something that i haven't read in a while from my shelf and maybe you know maybe jason will will go in on it with me but the chances of this happening are nil because it was written and drawn by rick veach and inked by gary erskine i think jason liked it when it came out Army at Love, Jason. Did you ever read it? Yes, I read it. I on the show. I professed my great disdain for it. Oh, you upset with me? <laughs> you did? Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> and you guys were like, "You're crazy," and I'm like, "I, I yeah." Oh well. <laughs> I of course. I mean, no surprise. I think it's brilliant, and it's a, a scathing satire on. Um, 
the armed forces and war. It's an attempt at escaping satire. No, it's very well done satire. Um, you can't see this happening, where uh, the draft is at an all-time low, so they plunder the depths of the middle management and get all these white-collar workers. They conscript them into the armed forces. And one man, whose name is Healy, he's the head honcho of something called Motivation and Morale, MOMO. And, and he has to, you know, get the, troops, get the troops going. But he answers to the Secretary of War, Stelophane, who has ideas of his own. But the thing about Army at War that makes it so believable is that war is underwritten by major corporations on all the armor and uh, uniforms and uh, all of the tools of war, there will be a Verizon logo. It's not Verizon in the book, but it's, it's, a, it's a sound alike to Verizon or, you know, Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola, that war is being funded by major corporations and the soldiers within the war are largely uh, middle management. But um, where the army at love part comes in, a woman who was working for Momo, who joined the ranks of the enlisted men, her name is Switzer, the, uh, the motivation and morale for the troops goes beyond, um, like the USO and the having Bob Hope come in to sing for the troops. What they do is they have uh, regular retreats where everybody just has sex. All the everybody swaps and goes with this person this time, and maybe a couple minutes later goes with another person. It's just it's a giant bacchanalian um, endeavor. But the Switzer kind of takes it one step further, and she invents this club called the Hot Zone. And what that is is if you are in the heat of battle, bullets flying all around you, um, bombs blowing up. And you, it's a variation of the Mile High Club, right? So if, if you're in the thick of battle and uh, you do the do, do the deed, you are ushered into the Hot Zone Club. And uh, the Army's promoting it as peak life experience. There's never been a, a high better than getting your rocks off under threat of death. And it's basically a soap opera. The There's a guy back... Uh, in the states called Loman, whose wife Allie is messed, or her, whose wife Switzer is the one who's doing the deed with uh, this magician called Flabbergast, and he kind of looks, he's got a little bit of Harry Houdini in him by design, right? But one of the more controversial aspects of it is the uh, there's a, a a young man named Bo who has Down syndrome. And he is in charge of a uh, Roy the Robot. And Roy is a tactical tool that the army uses to uh, destroy, basically, the enemy. And, and the, the robot answers to Bo, who, who is, is um, he's challenged. But it's, I thought it was, it's typical Veach. I, I, th- I think this book is amazing in the fact that he doesn't um, pull any punches. I can see a a time when war is, is underwritten by major corporations. It already is, so why not just be blatant about it and slap a, you know, a uh, AT&T sticker on the side of a, of a howitzer, if they still use them. But no, I, I think Veach did a great job on the, the pencils and the story, and 
Erskine does a monumental job on the inks. It's filthy. This is a filthy friggin' book. Do you remember any of the details of the sexual escapades, Jason? No, I mean, what? no, it's been years. So, <laughs> no. Well, the Kama Sutra plays into it at one point. And uh, I'm trying to find the page where it goes down. Um, it's basically ass to ass. <laughs> and the man tips up his thing into the into the woman and that's that's the position and there's a name for it something like reverse camel or something like that mm. but uh, oh here it is here it is it's uh man and woman face each face away from each other and bend forward um lowering his head on and reaching under he places his jade stock against her jade gate <laughs> <laughs> And then the uh, what Veach does is he has the the scene that's just a part of the scene. He has the scene progress, and both characters are enter panel upside down. So because their bodies are bent over, their their the narrative continues, but they're they're bent down and they're they're having fun. <laughs> There's a, a character who controls um, drone strikes. His name's Magoon, and he controls it by electric guitar. I just think it's it's a great little book. But there's much more to it than I'm letting on. There's uh it's not it's not specifically called Afghanistan if it's Afbagistan and the uh the um Healy frequently goes to see this woman named Janan and she's you know she's got the burqa and everything and um he just uses her not for sex but just to as a sounding board. He's he just he he likes the ear, but he leaves his phone there for uh, this young girl to play with because there's this ringtone that's super popular and and it's 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 um, the thing to have. And this girl wants a phone, so he leaves his phone there. But this is a, a high-ranking military officer who has all this contact information on his phone, so that doesn't go down well with Stellafane and shit hits the fan and things are leveraged against other characters. I just think it's a great great book. Um, you can probably get it for next to nothing in the back issue bins, right? Dap, have you read oh, it? I'm sure, yeah. When it was coming out, yeah. yeah I it's... never, I, I, I have a bunch of the issues. I think um, I need to, because uh, it was two volumes. I remember. Yeah, it, it didn't last long. No, no, neither one did. Um, yeah, I need to. I, I'll, I'll, um, maybe I'll look for them at. Uh, at Heroes next year, I'll have to have ZLZ tell me what's um what I'm missing. But I enjoyed the hell out of it when it was coming out. Yeah. It's I mean, Vertigo hasn't been that is my picture of Vertigo. The Vertigo when Vertigo used to take chances and uh be controversial and then uh I think Vertigo ended for me looking back now with Scalped. Because I didn't read it when it was coming out. I read the first bunch, but I didn't continue with it. But now I've read most of it. So I can't look back in rose-colored glasses and say, oh, Scalped was the be-all and end-up, because I didn't really read it when it came out. So mm -hmm. Ver Vertigo, in a sense, died for me around this time, Army at Love, like right after. When when Scalped and those books were coming out, I just, I don't know. That wasn't my take on Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if? There you go. 
To each his own, my friend. I think he's a brilliant writer. But I'm I'm glad that he entertains you. Yes. One of these days we'll get a book of the month. And it'll probably be Brett Pack, which will be a good thing. It will be a good thing. If, if, that was almost on the list this month. If there's any Spe- Veach book that's going to get Jason, at least admit that, okay, that was good. It's got to be Brad Pack. My only concern about Brad Pack, and it's something that you will probably have to stress as we review it, is that at the time, you could consider it ahead of its time. Now, it might not be as shocking because everybody's kind of done this. They've done that dark take on. Yeah, sure. But at the time, it was just. It was revolutionary when it came out. Yeah. 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 But it'll. Now, everybody, including Alan Moore, has done it. So, you know, they're going to give props to the goat for those kind of stories when Veach was one of the ones on the front line, like. Well, no, because um, Miracle Man was kind of was I don't I don't know the, the the time frame, but I think Miracle Man was concurrent with Brad Pack, so they may have just touched upon it at the same time. But they're both known for this this dystopian dark take on on superheroes. The, yeah. According to Veach, it's the last word in super, superheroes. But has there been a, a villain as cool as Doctor Blasphemy? Oh my God! Please, so freaking disgusting. Just, oh, so we're right. talking about that. No, we're not. Jason, what else we got? I don't know, man. You got my list. My list is running dry here. Is there anything left on it? Looking, let's see. Um, well, he's looking. The um, the second issue of Blade Runner 2019 was as strong as the first. Um, is that taking a long time to come out, or is it just no. me? No, no, it's 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 just you because the trade, the four, the four issue trade, is uh, solicited in this month's previews. Oh, cool. Uh, so this is the second issue. Third will be in next month's box. So yeah, no, things are moving along. Um, Michael Green and Mike Johnson and um, Andre uh, Guinaldo um, are your storytellers in this issue where um, Ash, the um, the Blade Runner of this particular story, uh, is investigating the disappearance of a woman and her child. Uh, she has been hired by um, the woman's husband and, and the child's father. Um, but we're learning a little bit more about this world. Um, while she may not be just... Ash isn't necessarily looking for replicants like Deckard did. Um, but we're getting a little bit more information on the underworld of of this world. And again, still, the setting very much feels like that movie um, from the early 80s. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time in the air and, and, and flying past 
gaseous in advertisements, although they are present here. Um, we kind of stick to the ground and in the fog. Um, but the art is great. It, it's uh, it's got a cross of a of, um, European and, and kind of a Paul Pelletier type feel. Looks really good. Color's nice. Um, I'm digging the story and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it all shakes out with this family and um and and with with ash because she she's got her own baggage and and she's um she's i don't want to say emotionally compromised but uh she's had kind of a um fucked up childhood and uh she isn't necessarily what she seems as well and i'm not saying that because she may be um just like deckard but there's uh she's just not as um forthcoming as as she you may think she should be being a um being an officer of the law but it's um it's it's a funky story i'm I, I like it a lot it just it makes me want to um fire up the movie mm-hmm. i still haven't seen the sequel i have i want to see it again i don't think i was in the right frame of mind One of these days. One of these days. Uh, Immortal Hulk. Oh, oh, there you go. Don't spoil, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, you oh, you asked me to speak on something else. You can say I you're loving it. it. It's great. Yeah, I read issues eighteen through twenty-three. Oh, yeah. This week, uh, caught up. Uh, of course, continues to be written by Al Ewing and drawn most of the time by Joe Bennett. Joe Bennett's easily his best work of his career. Not even close, really. Just this is he was meant to do this book. Um I mean, I don't have to spoil well to say it's it's more of the same, which is to say this crazy body horror uh dark vision for the, the Hulk that we've never seen before, but when you read it you think, Oh yeah, that that actually makes a ton of sense. It's probably what the Hulk would actually be like or should right? be like. Yep. Um we a lot of the the last few issues were, were the Hulk fighting the abomination, the new abomination, um, which was uh, which was Rick Jones. Oh, it's and still it, a bomb. It's it, well, it's it's they call him abomination. I mean, he's he's it's a different looking. He's got like this. His face is like two hands clasped over each other. And then the hands unclasped, and there's all kinds of teeth inside of the face. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I Vince doesn't want me to spoil, so I mean, but but uh, the 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 driving force for all of this is is a General Fordian who uh, has been the he's been the main antagonist throughout this book. So mm. that's not a spoiler, but we do get more of his origin. He, he basically worked under Thunderbolt Ross for a long time as one of his right-hand men. And then when Ross died, or at least when, when everyone thought he died, Fordian kind of took over the anti-Hulk uh, initiatives and then took it to a new level. And then when Fordian realized that Thunderbolt Ross didn't actually die but was the Red Hulk, he went on full tilt and and like vowed to destroy all gamma-irradiated beings. Um, 
developments happen, shall we say, that leads him to make some very unwise life choices uh, in the name of trying to win the battle against the Hulk. Um, at one point, we see uh, Be- uh, we see Betsy uh, like disemboweling the Hulk, um, which is pretty gruesome. Yeah, she she becomes she becomes the harpy again. She's the harpy again. That's her name, right? The harpy. Yeah, that's what she was. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, she becomes the harpy again. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, so it's building to a, a grand battle, I'm sure, between Fordian and his crew. And uh, there's like the Gamma Squad, which is which is uh, Doc Sampson and uh, Puck, oddly enough, and Walter Lankowski and a few other C-listers, but. Uh, it's just no, it's just great, man. It's just a horror book, man. It's just like it's gruesome and disgusting, and the Hulk's immortal. He, you know, he, he, he can't be killed. Put holes in him, you can cut him to pieces. You can shoot him in the eye. You can, in this case, the abomination has uh, sputum that is an acidic sputum that can actually melt the Hulk. So. The Hulk's face is melting off at one point. His arms melting off, <laughs> but none of it matters. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool that it's selling well too. Like I don't pay much attention to the sales anymore because they're too depressing. But I read something in an article about how it was a commercial hit, so I went and checked, and it's it's a top ten book pretty much every month, which is awesome. Because the Hulk, even in, in its critical heyday, like even in the Peter David era and stuff, was not a top ten book. Right. So that's neat. Like I'm really happy for Al Ewing and Joe Bennett for that. Like. Because, you know, the easiest way to get to continue to tell your story is to make money. Yeah, it's an unbelievable achievement when you think about it. Yeah, it really is. That the Hulk could actually be a top ten book. And it also does illustrate that for all of the self-criticism we do about how we, we as a, we, the collective we, don't really want things to change, I think we're open to change if it's executed well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But I think this is quote unquote not your dad's. This is not our Hulk, right? Right, right. Like that's what you always hear from all these like the comics creators. They're like, "Well, I want this isn't my character." Well, this is not your Hulk, but people seem to be buying it and reading it, which is cool. Yeah, I think JMS managed to. I mean, the whole uh, World War Hulk that was up there when when the after Planet Hulk when the steam was building and and uh, they did the with um McGinnis was on it and they were kicking out issues and crossing over i think it was up in the top tier of the sales but okay. I, I don't remember it ever being uh, a top 10 book for very long yeah but marvel's being kind of stingy with the trades on this they're they're releasing the uh the standard floppy trades but they solicited a hardcover of 1 to 12 and i feel like right. it's i've been waiting for it forever Mm-hmm. So I, I saw the director's cut for the third issue on the shelf yesterday at the shop. Yeah, they've been doing that too. That's great that they can, um, you know, keep the momentum going by adding, you know, what I mean, like more stuff. And sure. just, I mean, if there's a, there's obviously someone buying it because this is the third one. So good. I, it just, it does my heart good that the Hulk's in the top ten. Been a long time. It's true. Yeah. All right, people. Woot woot. Thank you for listening to this, you crazies. Uh, you know where to go 
if you want the cheap comics and really only one place, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 100, Milestone, Dave Wachter, All You Need to Know, three ninety nine. That's half price. Uh, Heart Attack from Image, first issue. Um, I don't. It's, it looks like it's a Skybound original ongoing. It's uh, $1.99. And from Ahoy Comics, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, number one of five. You take it home for $1.99. I don't... I don't know. Um, it, it, I, I exhausted my my pool. I w- will say just um, I'm going to say it again because I said it last time we didn't get to talk about it this time, but I really want to talk about Invisible Kingdom. I read them just for you, boo. One of these times. All right, so one soon we'll talk about the Invisible Kingdom because okay. it's 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 a book that I don't really hear a lot of people. Scream, no, should read it. Screaming about, but it's a good, good, good book. It really is. G. Willow Wilson. It's, yeah, it's, oof. It'll make hey, you think. It, it's a familiar tale, but the way she's telling it and the way Ward is illustrating it is yeah, one that makes it a keeper. I, I really like Christian Ward. I still, I'm not going to lie, um, I, I still can't make heads or tails out of Odyssey. But I, I have all the issues. I, I just look at them. I can't really read them because it doesn't connect with my brain. The story, I just don't know what's going on. But I like Christian Ward. I love Lamp. I love Lamp. So there you go. Next. Um, I will... You know what? I'll, I read most of this anthology, so I'll finish reading it. I wanted to read one particular story for it, but I'll save that. For next time, but I will say, because um, Jason has talked about this book, and what I like about um, my comic shop is that homeboy will remember a random conversation we've had last week. I go, I think it was last week. I go into the shop, and he says, "Hey, there's this event starting. I pulled this issue for you. I know." The title isn't on your list, but we've talked about Buffy. So if you want this, great. Otherwise, I'll put it back on the shelf. So I left with Buffy the Vampire Slayer number eight, which is the first part of a Buffy and Angel crossover event called Hellmouth. And the prelude, the first prelude is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer number eight. The next prelude is in... Angel number five, and then next month you get the first issue of Hellmouth. So this is my first issue. It's my first time reading the Boom Studios Buffy book written by Jordi Belair, illustrated by David Lopez, colored by Raul Angulo. Um, so basically just going by with and, – and so I said yes. I mean, he was kind enough to, to think of me and, and put it off to the side, easy sale, whatever. Jason's talked about it, so now figure. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in an event-type mood, especially after seeing the – I'm probably going to wait for the collection, but I saw the 2099 things going on in Marvel previews. So I'm like – I'm, I'm kind of in a mood where I want to – I want to be entertained and I want to kind of be in something. I don't just want to – 
create a monthly tail something like that. I want to be. I, I, I want something interesting going on. So, like, what the hell? I'll try this event. I. It's it's I don't know if this is the ideal jumping on point um, because as somebody who adores the show, um, even once more with feeling, I can't. I there's you definitely get the gist of who all the characters are. Everybody you know from a TV show when they appear in the book, you 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 can tell who is who. But there's not a whole lot of interaction. Like Willow is barely in this issue. Um, and since I don't know what's happened to her, the first seven issues, I'm a little bit at a loss with that, but that's not, Willow isn't the forefront of this particular story. It's, it's, it's a Halloween event, Halloween dance at the school. Um, and Buffy and Xander are at the school. Giles is at an Egyptian exhibit that Buffy's mom, Joyce is curating, um, Drusilla and Spike show up. I'm pretty sure I know who is in this mask, in this leather coat, sitting in the bleachers next to Buffy, um, who never takes the mask off. I think Lopez's art is is solid enough. I mean, the vampires look just like they do on the show. Um, and you don't get that... Um, and Jason pointed this out before. You, you're not getting that 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 photorealistic. Like, doesn't look like Sarah Michelle Gellar on every page. Doesn't look like Nicholas Brendan. You just you know who all the characters are, but you're not um, distracted by the photorealism. Um, but I thought it was a pretty cool setup, and and it is just it is I mean, the, the, emphasizing that it is a prelude. There's nothing. Um, it's 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 the beginning part of a story that's going to to start. So it's not, um, you're not going to get a lot of, uh, it's not a story that, that that's going to tell you everything you need to know now. So it's, it's just to get you interested into, into what's to come. And I think it succeeds there. I, um, I dug it a lot. It's, it's the, the event is happening. I think it wraps up in like March or something. So it's, it's only the Hellmouth is a five issue series. It ends in February. So, and, and it's only, it's only the three issues. It's only the three comics, it's the Hellmouth, it's the Buffy and the angel books. Um, I think I can swing that for a couple of months and nice. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And we'll see, you know, well, I'll just, I, yeah, listen, it's, it's Buffy. Um, I'm an easy mark for that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Jordy gets the characters. I'm, I'm not, um, there's this, nobody sounded off. Um, no, Jordy's yeah. on point, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so in your travels, as Jason said in the past, uh, and I'm telling you not only because it's still Buffy, but because if, if you want to, um, try something and, and this way with a crossover, so everybody's going to kind of get involved. Uh, so you may be able to get a feel for everybody. Um, in these stories, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Hellmouth Prelude, and number eight. Nice, uh, warms my heart. Uh, in keeping with the horror theme that we started with, uh, in your travels, I need y'all to check out uh, Something is Killing the Children, uh, by Boom Studios, written by James Tinian the Fourth, with art by Werther Del Edera. Is one of those books that, uh, so I hear, it's uh, the hot book. 
it's gone to like four or five printings already. Um, but uh, I had pre-ordered it. It was in my box. I saw there was a lot of buzz about it, so I thought, well, let me put this at the top of the stack, see what it's doing. And the buzz is very deserved. Uh, it's a fairly simple premise. Uh, there is a town in Wisconsin called Archer's Peak. There's a group of young boys, including the main character in the book called James, who are uh, at a sleepover. James is a bit of a storyteller. They're telling scary stories to each other. Uh, James tells a story, and then next thing we know, he is in the police station being questioned, uh, trying to figure out what happened to the rest of the boys. Turns out they all went down into the ravine during their sleepover, and something, something, someone, what have you, uh, just killed all the other boys, but did not kill James. And, uh, it sets up a mystery where what happened, who, what was it? How did it happen? How did James survive? But it's, it's, it's a fascinating juxtaposition in the sense that while it appears to be an on the nose horror story where there's a creature that's murdering lots of children, it's also about other kind of monstrosity like bullying. James is a young gay kid in a relatively conservative backwards town so he's constantly bullied and belittled for his sexuality and being called a weakling and a wimp and other less than uh, appropriate words um and if you're wondering if there's any coincidence it's not i mean in 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 many ways this appears to be uh james tinian putting himself into the story as a kid um which is interesting considering it's a horror book but uh but the the I think one of the reasons the book went viral is is the cover art. There's a Jay Lee cover. There's a couple other covers of the other protagonist, which is a blonde, a ponytail blonde woman who wears this badass um, bandana, uh, and the bandana is like a gory vampire mouth, bloody mouth. She wears it, and she has a katana, and she's covered in blood. And uh, her name is Erica, and we're first introduced to her coming out of the woods, covered in blood, seemingly just killing something and uh, finishing a mission. She was hired to do this. And she gets a phone call, talks to somebody, and is called to Archer's Peak to deal with this this mysterious creature that's killing all these children. And she walks up to James coming out of school, and she calls him by his name and, and says, you know, tell me what you know. And so we're left with more mysteries. How does she know who James is? Because he doesn't know her. Um, who, who called her? What, what is this all about? Is, did she just get done killing the same type of creature? Is she just killing creatures in general? I mean, what is, what is the story there? Is some sort, she part of some, some sort of organization? But the whole setup was dope. The character designs are dope. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I very much am fascinated by the idea of a, of a writer inserting himself into a horror story. Um, so this checked all the marks for me. Uh, Erica is definitely someone I could see. Uh, if the series takes off further, being the kind of character that people get commissions of, just a great design from, from start to finish. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of it's it's uh, definitely a home run first issue, um, and we haven't even seen the creature yet. Although we do see the the creature is, we do see the creature's aftermath. There in flashback scenes, we see James um, watching his friends get destroyed. I mean, they are destroyed. On the on on the, on the page, I mean, cut in half, entrails dr- falling out, uh, 
uh, bleeding from all the all of all of their orifices. Just basically, they are made into mincemeat. So, uh, this is not for the faint of heart, needless to say, because I know some people hear boom and they think, oh, that'll be dope for all ages. Not an all ages book. This <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, something is killing the children by boom. Uh, get it, get it. If you can find a copy, apparently it's hard to find a copy. So this is a OGN or is it a number one? No, it's a number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, ongoing. Nice. Uh, before we go, should we let folks know about the book of the month? Damn straight. You have until Saturday evening, Eastern time to get your votes in. Um, I'm a little surprised at some of these numbers, but I'm happy to see them. Uh, your 11 choices are Black Panther by Christopher Priest, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, Crisis on Multiple Earths, Volume 6, Fantastic Four Visionaries, John Byrne, Volume 1, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes, Grendel, Devil's Legacy, Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant, Volume 1. New Teen Titans, Volume 1. The Punisher, Welcome Back, Frank. Sparring with Gil Kane, Debating the History and Aesthetics of Comics. Spider-Man, Death of the Stacys. And Star Trek Classics, Volume 5, Who Killed Captain Kirk? It's a pretty diverse list. It's... Yeah. Yeah, there's the um kind of went a little into um why they may have been picked on the um in the post so the patrons who want to vote on it can uh maybe get a little bit of of insight as to why I went. A little dap story. Where I went, yeah. On your birthday, on your birthday week. Whole month. Oh, it's birthday month. It's our birthday month. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, Good everybody. I'm not seeing you until next month, then. <laughs> shit. <laughs> you heard it here. You'll hear it again Carousel. next time. You know what to do. If you want more of this, go to the Facebooks and the Twitter and the Instagram and the Reddit and all those other things because we're there, too. Um, come back next time. Maybe a surprise. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, but in the meantime, say good night. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Can have a little bit of Sam. Mmm. That is good beer. David. Mmm. I. I don't have any beer. Bread. Liquid bread. Liquid frickin' bread. I should have drank some wine. David. Nice. Mm. Just come back, y'all. Do it. You guys, it's, it's, you do your part. Say it. Say it. Do it. Do it. Come do back, it. y'all. You could say, say anything. You don't have to say what I say. You could say what you want. Say anything. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> New York Comic Con, come on.
bombastic. You want to hang. Yes. Oh, you know what? I know what I want to say. Oh. If you're still listening, people, for the love of God, if you want to be part of the Facebook group, answer <laughs> the three fucking questions. It's not that hard. There are so many real people that, I can, as far as I can tell, are actual human beings, not bots, not trolls, that want to be members of the group. But it's if you don't answer the questions, you're not getting in. I, like Unless we know you personally. Like If Dap's brother or like my cousin applies and we know they who they are yeah all right i'll pl- up but if you don't answer the questions i'm going to assume one of two things you just randomly stumbled across us on facebook looking for comics and you don't listen to the show or you just don't care enough and you're just trying to join a membership out of like random curiosity neither of which we want you there we want you we want participants people who are going to be positive contributors to the collective community and the easiest way to get in is to answer three questions. They're not hard questions. I'm not asking you to give me a treatise on Dostoevsky. I'm asking you to answer three simple questions. If you don't, you ain't getting in. It's pretty simple. It is fine. It's pretty I actually, simple. I, I, I approved a couple of people this week, and they all answered the questions. Yes, if you answer the questions, we put you in. It's pretty simple. It is. It's almost as easy from uh, as then ordering from. I screwed that up. Discount comic book service. Mm. <laughs> Too many Sams. messed it up. <laughs> Too much bread. Yes, I got a yeast infection. Mm. Oof. Oof. That's good. Throw some pineapple on it. It's a party. Looking forward to some carbs when I see you guys. Just don't turn sideways. Hey, where did Jason go? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs>